kind of like how I compared like Kanye to Apple. It's like Drake is really like it's kind of very similar to Amazon. He's very very similar to Amazon. It's it's in a point where it's like he's so good mm. at every single facet, not yeah. at rap but at music. Yes, yeah, but exactly. it's like when you go to Drake, you remember that Drake was originally a rapper. Amazon originally started selling books, but they just started doing everything. They started branching out, experimenting a little bit, and then they figured out it works, and then they figured out the formula. What's cooking, everybody? We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are getting dug back. If you know, you know. Anyway. I appreciate you guys hanging in there while I was in COVID quarantine and having to take a solo pod last week, but I am back on my feet. We have a guest in studio, and on that note, I am joined in the bunker today by my friend, Mr. Toby Moose, Mustafa. Moose is one of the co-hosts of the Faces of the Future podcast, along with Miles Matthews and Shannon Johnson, who have also both been in here those guys are terrific. Check out their show, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Love what they do. Love their conversations. And I love Moose's contradictions on a lot of things. Moose is not afraid to say what he thinks, and he has beliefs that are all over the place. So I really, really appreciate that when I get a chance to sit down with him and, and talk with him. But today we did get to actually discuss what I had brought up talking to myself last week on the solo pod with the whole Rittenhouse case. We got someone else's viewpoint on that, thought that was great. And then the whole middle of the podcast was a giant deep discussion on music and and culture. And we haven't done enough of that in here, in my opinion. So it was really, really good to get that. We got really deep in the weeds, which I loved talking about different artists, different styles within music and ways that it's impacted everyone outside of just the music itself. And then on the back end, we discussed two things that are sad situations. The first one is Virgil Abloh, completely unexpectedly, because no one knew he was battling cancer, but Virgil Abloh, the founder of Off-White, passed away, and that happened right before we started recording. So we were recording on Sunday, a couple of days before this episode, and that news was horrible. So it, at least we got to address it and discuss it in here, but that guy's impact is going to go far beyond where his life unfortunately was was cut very very short and then on the back end the 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 second sad thing there was the whole travis scott concert fiasco and i'm obviously a fan of travis scott people have heard me talk about him before but we hadn't discussed it here so it was good to kind of go through it i do have a lot of thoughts i also think that a lot more still needs to come out as far as like who really knew ahead of time who was being reported to minus just the videos we see but it's a horrible situation because people go to concerts trying to have a good time and the idea that like people would go somewhere and die is incredibly incredibly sad so we did get to talk about that not to be a downer on the end there but really really enjoyed this convo very much needed we are back in the saddle the pod is back with the guests hope you guys enjoy this one and as always if you're on youtube please subscribe please like the video as well thank you to everyone who does that and if you are on apple or spotify and you are not already subscribed on apple or following on spotify please hit those buttons for me and i look forward to seeing you guys again for future episodes that said you know what it is i'm julian dory and this is trendify this is one of the great questions in our culture where is the news you're giving opinions and calling them facts everyone on 
everyone understands this, but few seem to do it. If you don't like the status quo, start asking questions. We all have our stories, you know what I mean? Like, Shannon obviously has a story. When he came in, he was talking about what he was talking about. His story comes from the fact, his story and what he's saying is coming from the fact that, you know, his fiance is from where she's from. It's the same thing with Miles. She was the one, by the way, just for people, episode 53, his fiance is from Israel. Yes. So he was talking about, because that was, he was in here when that was like, yeah, I didn't want to, the fan. Yeah. Too. I don't want to be all on his, I don't want to put all his information out there. So that's why I was being a little, it's already like, out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I'll, true. I'll be the bad guy. It's already out. Yeah, it's so. true. But it's like, I'm saying that from a sense of like, we all have, from where he's coming from, his reference point is, yo, you have a, you have a fiance that's Israeli and everything that you're saying is not based off of the fact that like, you you're like how do i say this you're not being a dick about it you're just saying the truth because this is what you're being told you know what i mean yeah and so it's like say for example i'm just throwing this out there well actually no i'll use this as an example someone like kyle rittenhouse you know when we come in let's go when we come in and you see him on on fox news talking about oh my gosh if this was a black kid that did the same thing it's like it would be terrible but it's like yeah, you're right saying that, but you're saying this on Fox News and you as a 17-year-old kid who probably has like 40-year-old parents understand the narrative that's being that's being projected in that you saying that on Fox News. Wait, say that again. So I I understand your point you're making on on you can't get an unbiased news source on the second part, but you're saying he was going on and saying what about if it were a black kid? Basically, he he did I did interview. not watch this interview by the way. I so didn't I'm I not. didn't fi- I didn't watch the whole interview. I watched like I did, honestly truly, I'll be honest with you. I did the internet thing and saw the clip and I saw him on Fox News and I'm just turned off by Fox News, so I didn't I just like, "Nah, I'm Fair. not doing it." Yet. Okay. So it said he said something along the lines of like, "Hey, like I'm so like I'm happy of like how like the the court case came out like Oh my gosh, like I'm paraphrasing here. Like this would be so scary if this was like someone else of like a different race or like an African American doing something similar like this along those lines. Like I'm not par- What did he mean by that? Basically what he's saying is that because he got off he got off, you know, he found he was found innocent and because, you know, he found he was found innocent for all the stuff that happened. He's saying that if an African American male, you know, or woman came in, you know, got a gun, drove across state and came into a protest that they wouldn't receive the same justice that he did. Oh, he did say that. And yeah, but the thing, but why that looks so wild to me is because of the fact that like you premeditated, you 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 were pre- everything that you did was premeditated. You bought a gun to go to a protest. Well, in a, well, in, in a sense, all right, all right. in a sense, I'm let me and and, and I want to make sure we we get it right yeah. so that you know we can have the conversation and go through it. To be clear, and you and I did talk about this one part with the gun when we were setting up yeah. the studio, but technically even as someone who's i didn't used to be this way but i'm extremely conservative on guns now i don't mm-hmm. like the idea like i'm not going to sit there and take an instagram with them but like i'm not going to get into that but yeah. even as someone who's of that opinion the gun laws in wisconsin are a little weird yeah so the whole thing was his buddy who actually is going to get probation and like is in court and going to yeah. have to pay a fine and shit for doing this his buddy had an agreement with him where a year, six months before this or something, he bought the gun because the buddy was 18 mm-hmm. and said he'll hold it and then give it to Kyle when he's 18. Yeah. So the idea, the fact that he was still 17 and using the gun. Yeah. I said this in my solo podcast I had to do during COVID when I had COVID. I was like, you can't tell me that he knew when he was going there that he wasn't breaking the law. He definitely didn't know that. Okay, yeah, because not for sure. it was a complicated yeah. thing. So like that that was another dumb decision. But technically, technically he didn't he didn't 
break any of their laws yeah. and he had been there he wasn't driven there by his mom that night he had been there in in kenosha for over a day so he was already there yeah but my thing is it's still it's still for me it's still about the fact of like you still went there premeditated you know what i mean and my whole, like to the actual event yeah that's my yeah. whole thing it's not about like it's more so about you premeditated you you had a premeditated thought to go over there and for whatever reason i don't know i'm not but the, the concept was you still went there with a gun he thought he was getting paid Probably that was that, no. That no, was no. Really? Yeah. He said yeah. he thought he was getting paid. Yeah. They for- were they were under the impression that because all these riots have been happening over the summer in other cities and businesses had been burning, they were like, this is why I'm saying like he's not a hero at all. Another reason he thought that people were being paid. I don't know if this was even accurate, but he thought people were being paid to go protect these businesses. So they were like, fuck it, let's go make some money and protect some businesses. Is that what was? Is that what he said in yes. court? Yes, and people, again, everything we say on this, please fucking fact check it yourself. We're doing it live in here. That is my understanding from what I've read. I, I'm pretty sure I remember it correctly, but please fact check that yourself. We're so I don't to, know if he said it in court, but that was said at some To point. be clear, he said that he thought that they were going to get paid defending businesses. Yes. And so not for nothing... The prosecution didn't question him about that or I think I I think they did, but there was nothing to really question about it because the idea was that you just show up and you're there and if shit hits the fan, you're there to do something. Whereas the argument was over because we had all the all three on video. All mm -hmm. three there were two killings and one guy got shot in the arm. Yeah. The argument was over okay, let's assess this and see what was happening. And when you watch the actual videos and when you listen to the testimony that was there that is yeah. at least corroborated by video, otherwise eyewitness testimony can be very, very unreliable yeah. if you didn't have that. Yes, it was very clear self-defense. Yeah, My argument has been, okay, fine. It really shouldn't have been a case. I feel bad that you know a kid had to go through that. Unfortunately, that happens sometimes. They came to the right decision. What I don't want to see happen is him canonized because it was stupid that he was there. He shouldn't have been there. There's no reason, for, in my opinion, for a 17-year-old to look at a situation where shit's hitting the fan. He's not even really supposed to have this gun and saying, you know what? I think I'll go down there with the gun and defend, defend the business. What's the worst that could happen? Like, if you do that, that's, that's a dumb decision. Yeah, because that was going to be my next question. Like, my whole thing is that you're telling me that you went there to go defend businesses, but at what point did you see an email or um, a Craigslist post that said, hey, we're paying you, come down with a gun, and then you'll be paid? Like, at- I don't know that there, there – so there, this was another piece of evidence. There was some sort of post. I don't know if it talked about payment, but they confirmed that that couldn't have been what – he, he was looking at because his social media he wasn't following them at all didn't know anything yeah. about it but i don't know the answer to what you're saying is i don't know if there was like a written announcement or something or if people were just texting him like yo we're getting paid to do it i don't know what it was that was just his impression and that's my thing it's like 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 let's like let's be and this is and this is what i mean about this is where my whole thing about stories come in it's like mm. you're, you're like the whole story is that let's go with let's go with that so in the midst of in the midst of the protest of, you know, Jacob Blake, Maude Albury, um, why am I missing the last name? This is not good. Uh, George Floyd. George Floyd, thank you. In the midst of those three people, we had people have peaceful protests. We now saw online, which has been confirmed, where people have been people that were not a part of the 
protest started inciting riots. Correct. People were, I'm not going to say who, people were planting bricks, doing all these different things. Minus, to, minus Portland, by yeah, the way. Yeah, they're, minus Portland. Yeah, they're, they're an outlier. Yeah. But yes. There were people doing those things. And at, a, at, at that point, we're now looking at this saying that, okay, if we saw this on the internet, a business who has insurance who has insurance would now come regardless if it's word of mouth or not like i'm just the story is like okay, okay businesses would come now and say hey we need people to come and defend our businesses if like like when you look at it it's like when you're telling that when you tell the story in such a way it's like that's that's so weird here's how, here's how i would see it mm-hmm. from their way and where i'll agree and and yes is it true that a lot of businesses have insurance yes do any of the policies, like almost any of them, cover everything, let alone the fact that you're put out of business for however long you don't even have a place? No, they don't. And it can it it, it, it kills a lot of businesses yeah. when they burn down and shit. So that can't happen. Obviously, yes, of course, I'm always going to be like lives over businesses. I, I yeah. get that. But that's apples to fucking ice cream here. Yeah. Like the bottom line is there were people a lot of no good people coming in who don't give a fuck about black lives matter or mm-hmm. jacob blake they're just coming there to stir some shit which by the way the at least the first guy he shot absolutely was that on steroids yeah and you know the businesses in this one in kenosha 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 they had the precedent of having seen what happened in Minneapolis, having seen what was – this was in August, so they had seen what had happened all summer. Mm-hmm. So I fully understand if there was some paranoia there in those places, I get it, and I'm with it. Again, though, mm-hmm. what I'm not going to get with is the idea that, like, it was a 17-year-old kid who decided he needed to go down there and be Batman. Yeah. That's not – that doesn't work. And that's my – and that's where my whole thing comes in. It's like no matter how I look at it, it's like a 17-year-old boy, and I'm not – Taking out the aggression, taking out the aggression, yeah. everything, taking that out, for example, and bring that in. It's like this boy still came down premeditated to come and defend businesses at the age of 17. For what reason? Like, it's like, at what point do, and I'm not saying this to be rude, but it's like, at what point do your parents also use common sense to now be like, oh, oh yeah. it's like, all right, cool. Like, I don't think that's a good idea because I wouldn't exactly. want you to be in that space exactly. regardless of what you know. And so for me, I'm looking at this and it's like, this whole thing happened. Someone drove you down. You stayed down there for a day, and you still at the age of seventeen. I don't remember if someone. I think his mom. I, I think he did catch a ride with yeah. his mom. And, but again, it was a day before. It wasn't yeah, but to my, this. But my whole thing is that like that that that, that shouldn't happen. Like you're seventeen, bro. Like, well, you, I mean, the driving there. Yeah, the, there was nothing going on when she drove. No, there. yeah, no. So I'm that not saying, part, yeah. I I, I'm I just want to make sense, sure people are yeah. clear what you're saying. But I'm saying in a sense of like, yo, like even if there is a protest, why are you going out? with a gun and like i get it but it's like you're 17 and you went out there with a gun whatever intention at that point like you have to understand when you're in that type of situation where there's rise just things going on no matter what the situation is that intent like people are not thinking straight in those types of situations when people are riding so my thing is that like if i see somebody with a gun even if i'm a peaceful protester if i pack that thing on me at whatever whatever happens if i see you with a gun i don't know what you're gonna do with that you know there's, what I'm saying? There is also so it's like right. it's weird to me. It's there, weird. There's two levels to it. Mm-hmm. We've touched them a little bit, but I'm gonna put it in context to give like the story. If you just looked at this, if you are someone who is right wing or left wing, and you put aside whatever you want your fairy tale ending to be here, mm-hmm. or however you want to call it, and just look at the facts so that we can move the fuck on from this case and understand that 
there is some shit that it's like, all right, we don't want to ever see that again. Reasonably reasonable thing to say. The action of him, as we've covered, deciding to go there, taking the gun that he definitely didn't know the full law, so he got lucky, but there, that was careless. All that was dumb. Yeah. When dumb doesn't break the law, yeah, it's not negligence. So it's yeah. it's not that is not prosecutable. So once he's there, he's already done a dumb thing. Yeah. But technically, he didn't break the law. He was free to do it. Yeah. He didn't break the law. Once he's there, whether or not having a gun there is not a helpful thing, and I would say it's it's not helpful. If you are then, like, forget who you are, where you are, what the situation is, what your age is, what your race is, what your background is, your socioeconomic status, forget all that. If you are then threatened, like, your life is legitimately threatened. As we have seen on video, it is crystal clear once these things actually happen. Yes, he was in danger of dying. In fact, one person had a gun and was aiming it at him. I mean, yeah. it was, you know, it, it got that bad. The other guy was hitting him with the blunt force object and coming after him and going for the gun. And the first guy was running, pinning him in cars, going for the gun. Yeah. If your life is threatened, you are permitted, and you have it legally right there, you are permitted and need to be permitted to defend yourself. Like when I hear the law and it says, don't kill people, that makes sense to me. Yeah. It's a very simple thing. If true. you are legitimately, and again, thank God there's video to be able to say one way or the other. Because like if he had just killed people, we'd see it. If yeah. he had acted in self-defense as it appears he did, we see it. If you are in that situation, yeah, you, you have to be able to defend yourself. So what we should be saying is that not a hero, dumbass kid, got lucky that none of the dumb decisions he made broke laws. But then once he was there, yes, technically he acted okay, but – it. That's never an outcome anyone wants to see. Yeah, period. No, no, that's true. I will say though, I, I like I said, I'm not 100 percent versed in the law, but I'm just what makes me why why I feel iffy about the case and the gun charge and everything like that. I'm not talking about Wisconsin, but I am thinking about the situation of now. You did bring into the gun, you did bring a gun into another state, and we don't know the rules of that state for guns because I was talking because right. I was talking to somebody who has a gun, and he lives in either Alabama or Florida, one of those. Oh, he's hooked up then. <laughs> yeah, he, he was he was expressing to me, like, yo, when I take a when I do want to come to Jersey, I don't fly into Jersey because I do security. And I'm like, I, I fly in through Philly. It's either Philly. Yeah, he says, he says he flies in through Philly, and then he gets his gun. He does everything he needs to do, and then he drives into Jersey. And the only reason why— Wait, so he flies in with the gun to Philly. Yeah, I believe so. I'm not—, I'm, not, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't remember the conversation 100%. But I'm using this as an example to say, like— there has to be there has to be something that expresses that with whatever gun laws you still have to abide by those state rules. So while yeah, Wisconsin may not have like rules that would have broken the law, I just find it weird that he we weren't looking at it from the Kenosha was it Kenosha Kenosha this is a weird state. I don't remember what state that's in. That's but in Wisconsin. It is in Wisconsin. Okay, yeah. Yep. So basically I'm just it's weird because it's on like, the border of Illinois yeah. and Wisconsin. Okay, that's probably why. Yeah. So my thing is that like I just it's just weird because it's like at what I guess what I'm trying to say is that I don't know if there is any laws whether from where he came from that would forbid him to do that or if not There weren't. 
and my and my thing is it's it's just weird to me like because there has to be some type of restrictions or anything like that but i don't know maybe there isn't maybe there is either way it's just weird it's just that whole thing is just for like i said i just think that laws like when you have laws when you have trials like this these things tell a story you know what i'm saying and it's like going back to everything you're telling this story of however the court case goes is that when people look back at this in history it's like okay this is the story they told and this is the situation we're allowed to do this like all law is is just storytelling and people being able to act yeah Yeah. and you're being able to influence that story in the way that you want it to go and so for me looking at it like i said just you're telling the story and it just for me just in the height of everything when you use the context as well it just came off very iffy even though he even though we understand that he didn't technically break any laws when you look back on when the case was, it looks very iffy to me. If I agree. I sense. agree with exactly what you said there. And I, and again, as I even said, being someone who's very open on, on guns and wants very few laws there. What I will say is that I don't think that applies to people below the age of 18. And he still was below the age of 18. I think that's a dangerous, when you start saying like, yeah, have your 11 year old pick up a gun to just fucking do it. I'm not talking about going out and hunting a deer with a rifle. I'm talking about like picking up an AR-15. I think that's fucking stupid. I think it's also probably a a form of bad parenting, my opinion, but that's, that's what I think. The bottom line is the way you just put that is probably better than I did, but that is what I was trying to say. The first half of it is all iffy. The case that he was on trial for, which was the self-defense, to me, with video, add the testimony to it, yeah, it's crystal clear. But that's it. Now let's be done with it. And that's unfortunately not how our society works because we have the people propping him up as Mm -hmm. a hero. And then we also have the people coming in who have literally not watched a second of the case nor reviewed a single fact who are literally spewing lies. And – I hesitate to call it for some of them that because I I legitimately think that it's actually just carelessness in that they're not looking and they're just assuming what they're hearing on the internet is correct. So I won't sit here and say all of them are liars. I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Still, though, carelessness is not an excuse to me. Mm -hmm. It's like if you're talking about people's lives, I don't care what the background is or what's going on. We need to treat everything with the same energy, which is why, by the way. Guys, I say it every week. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to shout it from the rooftops because it applies to all of you, and I'm just trying to help you out. But I have been getting the best sleep of my life since I started using the 8 Sleep Pod Pro Cover because the other ironic thing here is that I'm also sleeping the least amount of hours or number of hours, I should say, that I ever have, and yet I am more rested than ever because I don't get up in the middle of the night. Maybe once. I used to get up three, four times minimum. That is because 8sleep's proprietary app has their proprietary technology that plugs right into that sucker and makes sure that I'm getting the deepest level of sleep throughout each of my quote-unquote sleep stages throughout the night. Measures things like my body temperature, my REM, and a whole bunch of other factors to make sure that happens such that when I wake up in the morning after sleeping maybe six hours, I feel like I slept eight. So use the link in my description, along with the code Trendifier at checkout, that's T-R-E-N-D-I-F-I-E-R, and you will get $100 off either the 8 Sleep Pod Pro cover, as I use, or the 8 Sleep Pod Pro mattress, which is double the price, does the same thing, but it's a full mattress. So if you want to get a full mattress, you can do that, I would highly recommend it, but if you want to keep your current mattress, as I did, get the cover, you'll love it, check it out. A case that I had no 
previous knowledge of whatsoever. Had never heard of it, had mm-hmm. never read about it, knew nothing about it. Learned all about it last week because I was like, holy shit, this is weird timing. That Andrew Coffey case in Florida. Yeah, that was the one where he, um, that was the one where he shot the cops, right? Yes. Yeah. And so I went through this now a lot. And I'm like, and, and I, I feel like I have a very good understanding of the case. Mm-hmm. But to me, you know, I'll be critical on this show, and certainly a lot of guests have been too, of problems in our legal system and our justice system. And yeah. you should be. You, you want everything to, the goal is to get things to perfect. It'll never get there, but you yeah. want to keep improving. And so, yeah, I, I, I think we, we do have bias problems. I think we do have issues, and, and it comes down to a lot of different things. It certainly comes down to race in situations. It comes down to socioeconomic status based yes. on what you can afford for representation. So there's all these issues that, that certainly got to get fixed. But when I see things where it's like, all right, there's a few steps in the right direction where it's like some things are better, I'm going to point that out. Yeah. And this Andrew Coffey case, to please look it up, everyone. But the cliff note version is Andrew Coffey was a convicted felon, not for overly serious shit, but it was for, ironically, it was for back when he was like 16, yeah. like battery with a law. He got in a fight with a police officer, which was dumb. But that was what it was for. And then he was on trial for four years ago. Mm -hmm. He woke up in the morning. His house was unknowing to him, being raided with a warrant by a lot of police, not for him. It was for his father who was selling some low-level drugs. Mm -hmm. And so he saw a gun barrel in his window. And he shot back. And he grabbed the gun, which I don't give a fuck who you are. I'll be conservative. 90% of people in the same situation would do the the same same thing. thing. And they have a right to. And so when he did, I think he killed a couple cops. I still got to go check that. I forget if it was one or two. Either way, he killed police officers unknowing that they were police officers. Florida, red state, Mm -hmm. killing cops, convicted felon, black guy. Like this is a a legal system special, right? The jury, who I think was a mostly white jury too, looked at it and went, no. We're sorry they died. It wasn't really – the cops were executing a warrant. We'll figure out how the legality of that, but they were doing their job. It's not their fault in a way, but yeah, this guy had a right to do that. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, the same day that a lot of people were still making this Kyle Rittenhouse thing to be a race thing, like real quick on that, and I actually want your thoughts on that too. Mm-hmm. That pissed me off so much because this was a case about a white kid who shot three white people in protecting a fucking business from, at that point, what were rioters out there that had nothing. They don't represent what people who want to represent, quote unquote, Black Lives Matter are trying to progress. These were just idiots out there fucking causing anarchy. Yeah. And yet we made it this white supremacy thing. The place where they do tie that in where it's like, okay, I understand at least where you're coming from is that – if this were a black guy who'd done the same thing, he'd be in jail forever and no one would care. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And historically, I might not even disagree. Two things, though. Number one, just because that might be true, and it is totally unfair, that doesn't mean that because it'd be true there, you find someone else guilty just to be even. That's never the answer, right? Even if it's a white guy, it's, that's not the answer. I get what you're saying. The second reason is, though, the same day... We saw, and it's one case. We are, to be clear, we are cherry-picking one case here in both directions, but we're cherry-picking. We saw a case where there was a black man who also happened to be a convicted felon Mm -hmm. with felonies against the cops, technically, Mm -hmm. who shot cops in a red state. Yeah. And a jury looked at it and said, 
unfortunate, but yes, self-defense. It's what it is. And so I'm like, I don't know if that would have happened five years ago. And that makes me at least go, okay, there's a couple things going right. And then, look, you saw a slam dunk one a few days. I mean, thank God it was a slam dunk. But we saw that Georgia jury deliberate for, I mean, I think it was like eight hours or something to come back with 27 charges, most of which were guilty on the Arbery thing. So Mm -hmm. it's like, hey, man, like even in some of the stereotype states and everything and and issues where it's like, well, are they going to treat this right? You know, black man being killed in broad daylight. They did. And it's like, okay. These are some positive steps, and I, and I I do want to be positive when I see that. I'll say about the Ahmaud Arbery case. I will say, I think, I think the best way to put it is, I'll say that I am one of those people that are very skeptical about if the pandemic wasn't around and the same thing happened, if we would still get the same result. Mm. Um, because like I said, when we look at it and we look at what was presented to us, we had somebody running, he was being chased and he got hunted down and killed as if we are in the night, like we're in 1955. Mm-hmm. And my thing is that while, yeah, you're a hundred percent right. This is a step in a positive direction, but I always seem to question, would this be a step? Would you guys still make this step if the pandemic wasn't around and we were all not sitting at home? Because my thing is that. We look at the George Floyd. We look at what happened with um, Derek fair. Chauvin. It's very you know fair. what I mean? It's like, this shit happens all the time. This shit has happened with a lot of other people. You know what I mean? But the thing is, is that we weren't all at home sitting being forced to look at this to understand that, yo, this is some bullshit. And so now because we were forced to look at it, it's almost like, how do I say this? Even though we know that juries shouldn't be biased, it's like... You still, you still have a bit of bias in a sense where it's like, yo, you know what's going on right now. Whether or not mm. you try to ignore it or not, there's always going to be a bias. And the reason why I say that real quick before, I, like, it's like, it's like when you look at juries, right? What what a lot of people don't understand about juries is that they pick. Obviously, the the prosecution and defense pick certain people. Um, I'll use this for example. I forgot who express who explained this to me, but it made perfect sense. It's like when a woman gets raped, right? Mm-hmm. To be graphic, sorry about that. Um, what they'll do is. They'll try as much as possible for the jury to try to stay away from women. I could be wrong on this. If anybody's a lawyer, no, correct I believe me. that's correct. Yeah, yeah. they try to like stay away from women. Strategy. Yeah, they try to stay away from women. Mm-hmm. They make the woman, the 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 woman who was a victim, they make her dress as conservatively as possible. They have her hair tied up. They make her wear glasses. She doesn't wear any type of revealing clothing, long skirt, everything. The prosecution yeah. does that. Yeah, the prosecution. Yeah, the prosecution. When, so that's how when they go up there and they look at her. What happens is that you put her in a position where it's like, okay, well, this is the first time we're seeing her, and she looks like this type of person. A lot of times that happens is that now if she were to come in dressing if she she was going out on a Saturday night, it's Mm -hmm. like, yo, not for nothing, even though people, even though we say that this is the wrong thing to do, a lot of people will think this, yo, like, you dress like this, 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 that, and the third, you out, you drinking with your girls, you dancing on everybody. I'm not saying she deserved it, but she didn't put herself in the best position. I'm not saying that's my opinion, but I'm just saying a lot of people think that way. And a lot of people will have that thought, but won't say it because obviously at the end of the day, it's still on the person that still sexually assaulted that woman. But what a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, 
that's her, that's her fault putting herself in that position. But the idea of what I'm saying is that what happens with juries is that juries still have some type of bias in how they look at people. Everybody has some type of bias because their reference point is different. And you're also saying how they're built, though, like on exactly. purpose to build in the bias. Yeah, right? and that's okay. the and that's the second point as well. It's like when you go into court, it's like that that jury is built in, so it's supposed to be neutral. Or what I'll say is I'll say this is that the bias is neutral. So that's how it's like if you have six women and six men, right? These men are all majority, I'll say majority Hispanic. They're all fathers. There's down to 30 have women, say some may be mothers, some may be single. The bias is even because now you have fathers on there who know, damn, I don't give a fuck what happens. No one's about to go rape my daughter versus mm. some of the single women and some of the mothers who are like, well, I don't want my daughter dressing like this or I don't mm. want my daughter like this. Or the single girls are like, well, she shouldn't be dressed like that. She may, even though she didn't ask for it, I don't want her putting herself in that position to do X, Y, and Z. So now the bias becomes even. So now when it goes to the court and they give you the unbiased opinion, it's like, well, you're not using your bias to make that decision. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Even though whether or not people That's really think about movement. it. So, I mean, it, it's 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 interesting in jury deliberations and things of that nature. And that's part of the reason why I'm saying what I'm saying. When we look at these things, the jury knew what was going on. Like, in the height of racial tension, we watched a man get executed. You know what I mean? And they try, by the way, and I'll just say mm -hmm. this, which is kind of ridiculous when you think about modern day culture. Mm -hmm. They also try to work in that they get people who are blissfully, and they might be mm -hmm. lying about it, who are blissfully unaware of yeah. what had happened or never saw the video or something, which is like... That's still crazy to me. Like, yeah. do you ever sit back and think about, like, how wild that system is? Yeah. And it's and it's actually amazing in yeah. a way because setting up the jury, even though we're pointing out all these places where it can be taken advantage of or, like, cooked by experts and stuff like that, certainly going to have flaws. But you set up people who are just regular Joes who live in your town or live in a city, whatever. They're not in the government. It's mm -hmm. not like you have this all-powerful body who can do unabated whatever they yeah. want. But like you get these 12 random people in there who last week before they were listening to this trial about 12 killings or 12 homicides, last week they were cooking dinner for their kids or yep. they were going to their 9 to 5. And now they're sitting in there listening intently for two, three, four weeks at a time, sometimes two, three months if a trial is insane. Yeah. And then they go back into a room and they deliberate your ability to be free or not at any point for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Come back, sit down in the seats, look at you when they hand a paper to a judge knowing they just sealed your fate or – freed you and watch you as you react to the fact of whether or not you are going to be considered a criminal for the rest of your life and live in a jail cell or you're going to walk the fuck out of the courtroom that day because you've been found innocent by your peers that is fucking insane to me it's definitely insane and that's why i think it's like it's always important when we think about that it's like you always have to i, I, I don't know what they ask in jury duty because i've never been i've never been asked to do, do it knock on wood but um it's it's just one of those things where i just think that yeah I understand there are just some things to me where I just feel like, yeah, you should go to jail. Um, I also believe that in some cases you people do deserve to be um people do deserve second chances. I will say that in terms of America, I would say that when we talk about these things, when we make people criminals, I just think that the biggest issue about it is that you're right that this stuff is wild. But the only reason why it's wild is because these people go and become criminals and then there's no way to essentially bring them back into society in a healthy mm. way yep. i forgot what i forgot what country it was it might have been australia or some european country when you go to jail europe it's not australia 
You sure? Yeah. Be, okay. These are, these are always cited. It's like they'll cite, I'm just remembering what I hear. Mm -hmm. They'll always cite like Sweden, Norway, some, some of the, those states. Mm, so I was going to say it's like states, some, some of these states, some of these countries, they'll have you, um, like you're, you're basically rehabbing in a sense, yes. not in a sense of like, oh my gosh, you're just in a jail cell doing nothing. Like they're right. trying to make you become a better functioning member of society. Right. And my problem with, with the, I'll say the incarceration system has been just that because it's like, we just throw these people in there and it's like, well, we're throwing you on parole. I mean, or you're a felon now. It's going to be hard for you to get a job or a good paying job. And it's like, we all know what happens when you're poor, you know, you can't really afford things and you're in a place where, you know, it's not the best. You tend to go back to your vomit. And what happens with that is you kind of stay in the system yep. and going back and like what, what the biggest issues is that someone like for myself is like, why that becomes an issue is because a lot of times people like me get that shit unnecessarily just because we don't look like people that look like right. Julian. And I'm not saying that in a bad way, but it's like, no, I know what you're yeah, saying. And it's like, yep. and that's why that becomes such an issue when we talk about things like the jury, because it's like, you have to understand that it's like, not for, let me not even say not for nothing. Like we built this country on racism, like a discrimination. We built this country in a sense where people like me were never really in a sense supposed to be free in a sense so when we look at these situations we now come back and this has been the mindset of a lot of people who have started their ancestors here so now these people who are descendants of just hypothetically speaking a grand dragon master that are called in the ku klux klan or some white supremacists that are in princeton new jersey they come now and a black man like me is on for a felony charge say for weed like two three years ago they're like well he they're not going to say it out loud but it's like well he was probably doing something else. Like it's he needs bias. to be in jail. It's a bias. Yeah. And so why that becomes so important is going back to this case. It's like, we're saying that, Oh yeah, you wanted to make sure people didn't see the video. But I like, I think that that bias is important because it's like, it shows one, what the fuck a lot of people mm. have been talking about for a minute. And so now when you leave people alone in their own biases, this shit fucks up a lot of people. You oh, know what shit. I mean? And it's like, yeah. and that's why I said, like going back to this whole thing, it's like, I'm glad that like, I'm really glad that they went to jail, but it's like, it's it's a step in the right direction, yes. But what we also need to do is, once again, it's, it's about storytelling. We have to tell us, like, what happened to Ahmaud Who Arbery. tells the story? Yeah, it's what happened to Ahmaud Arbery, what happened to George Floyd, what happened What happened to Alton Stone, what happened to all these people is that we were telling a story about, yo, the, the biases that we've had for this many years have fucked us up. Straight like that. Right. It's put us in positions where we've been killed. It's, been, it's put us in positions where we don't get the fair share of the pie that they tell us that we have to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and work for. And so now when we have these cases and we have this step in the right direction, I'm happy about it. But like I said, I always question whether or not, if we didn't have that bias of that video, take that video out. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Take the fact that we were in a pandemic out. Well, we actually your point's even better taken because they didn't, this wasn't a case until the video was released. Yeah. And that's my thing. And it's like, we have that, and it's like, that's the whole thing. The bias wasn't there. We all sat home, we're, oh, yeah, well, yeah. he was probably black, yeah. he had counterfeit money. It's like, a counterfeit $20 bill results in you doing life. that. It's, yeah. it's not worth a life. Yeah, and that's, that's the insane. biggest thing that we have to understand. It's like, with laws, you, you're telling a story. It's the same thing with Julius Jones. Like, the whole yeah. story, like, the whole story wasn't even told. This Can you man, tell people what that case was? Um, Julius, I talked about that last week yeah. on my solo pod, but I'm glad you brought that up. Julius it's, Jones, it's correct me if I'm wrong. Well, Julius Jones was on death. He was going to get executed. As of like two weeks ago. Yeah, as of two yeah. weeks ago. Um, And I also have a problem with this. Kim Kardashian had tweeted about it. 
and J. Cole had responded to the tweet as well. And a lot they, of people, a lot of people responded, case, yeah. and then they signed a petition. And I think the governor of that state—I forgot what state it was—Oklahoma, Oklahoma now came in, and now he just said he's not getting executed, but he still has life in prison. He tried to make it, and he's wrong. He's just trying to win political points. He tried to give them what they wanted while also fucking them and saying you can never fight this. Which, fortunately, Governor Stitt. If there is evidence that can be presented in court, there are other systems in place that people will find a way to get that into court. So yeah. that's not going to work. But he tried to be like the "fuck it, you're gonna you're gonna rot in prison. I'm I'm giving you what you want. Get the fuck off my lawn." So I, I look, I appreciate him for at least not letting the guy die because now we will never. If that had happened, we would never be able to decide if he's innocent or not. And again, as I said last week, I. F- feel pretty good that he's innocent i'm not a hundred percent there's certainly some questions there i'm about 80 90 i think i said 90 last week yeah. i'm in that 80 90 but i am all about like if we found out 10 years from now irrefutable evidence he was mm-hmm. he was guilty i'm still happy that we go through the process to make sure we get it right yeah no i i, I definitely would appre- i definitely appreciate that i just i just look at it and just from some of the stuff that i did read i saw that during the case his parents and his family was not up to nope. call to the witness stand. Um, apparently, the guy who was um, who was supposed to be written off as the getaway driver, apparently he admitted to like three people that he killed the guy. Three different people that don't know each other, and I just find that really interesting. You he know, also slept over at his house after the murder. Yeah. Oh wow, that's wild. I didn't read that. Yeah. So the three things they had him on, and this is what people try to write off in a quick tweet to say he's got to be guilty. Fuck you. You know, because it got political. It was everyone, yeah. everyone showed their ass. But he, they had the murder weapon, the mm-hmm. the gun wrapped in a red bandana, mm-hmm. and the eyewitness had said, "I saw a black man in a red bandana shoot." I think yeah. it was the sister shoot my brother, and so it was in his house. And so, of course, the red bandana was his. It yeah. had his DNA on it. And as I said, I'm like, there's a few people in this country that own a red bandana. One of the many pieces of evidence is. Don't you think if you just killed a guy and you were trying to make sure you you got framed for it, if you went and fucking stayed over at his house that night, you don't think you could grab his red bandana and stick the gun in the goddamn drawer wherever it was and then exactly. be like, oh my God, look, cops, it's all here. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it offends – cases like that offend my intelligence. Yeah. And I understand the Innocence Project is trying to argue the DNA match. I, I get why they're doing that. Frankly yeah. – as far as like the match on that, yeah, I'm on the prosecution side because it, it, it does pretty much match. But that might not be relevant. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. You know, so like this this case and, and this is something where it's like, all right, well, at least we, we got him off death's door. So now we can focus on, on trying to get to the truth here. But like it, it, it's another example of like some of the same people who are out here taking offense to the idea that poor Kyle Rittenhouse was being put through a trial he should have never been on, which maybe given the video evidence, I'll agree with that, but his life was threatened and they're so upset by that. And then this guy has a case who's going to be killed. There's no coming back. And they're like, murder weapon, DNA on the thing, eyewitness testimony, what more do you need? Fry him. It's like, dude, 
because people don't you ha- know people don't have sympathy for people that don't look like each other it's like yeah. it's it's it's, 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 it's I hate to say that but in this situation it's hard not to that's just the reality of the situation it's just it's, it's a psychology thing we're all comfortable with people that look like us or people that we grew up in similar environments you know and it's it's one of those things it's, it's statistics show it as well it's just that when I don't know if the guy was white or not. The guy that got killed. He was. Okay, yeah. So, all right, I'm right on this. So statistics- The DA was also fucked up. Uh, yeah. Sounds about right. But it's like- Oklahoma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like when you have a situation where you have a black man killing a white man, he gets more time in jail than if a white man kills a black man. And it's like, it's so weird because it's like, you're doing the same thing, but because we don't look alike, someone that looks like me is going to get a larger sentence because- you're scared that it could be someone that looks like you. And it's just really interesting because it's like how we value things, how we value, how do I say this? How we value and how we, and how we, I guess, I guess the weight of the seriousness of certain things all really depend on whether or not if we look like someone or not. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that like, if you're black and you do something, it's like, okay, not for nothing. People don't care about African American crime because it's, it's not in their neighborhood. It's not in mm. a situation where it's like, okay, okay, these people look like us. When we had the when we had the crack epidemic in the sixties, seventies, whenever it was, people didn't really eighties, nineties. Yeah. People didn't really care about that. Now opioid epidemics is this whole big thing, and it's like I'm not saying that it's not an issue, but what I'm saying is that I find it very ironic that now opioids are this big thing that people have an issue with. But when we were screaming about crack is killing the communities, nobody had anything to say. And here's the other problem, too. This is this has to be said. Yeah. The government was, I mean, I'll say it's proven. You, you look it at is. Some compli- I'm, I'm talking about like the agencies. There yeah. was complicity yeah. in that. And so they had an incentive to make sure. Her, her, it, okay, wasn't, it, wasn't, gonna... it wasn't complicity. It, was, it wasn't complicity. It was they, they did that shit. Yeah. Worth the 50 cent. Whatever he did, they did that shit. Like for real. Yeah. Like, and it's, it, it's, an unfor- it's an unfortunate thing, man. Like it's just it's it's really it's really 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 unfortunate but it's life man you you made it when you were going through the full explanation a few minutes ago Mm -hmm. you were talking about like the the country and being built on racism and stuff like that and i i love that we talk about this stuff all all the time on this show because i like to bring everything into the open especially stuff where the bickering pisses me off because it's dividing us and it's fucking insane and the extremes are out there so like you know I'm what, and I said this on something else, but just as like a broad statement, I'm one of these guys that recognizes like, yeah, there's a lot of shit that was never right, period, and Mm -hmm. like has to continue to be fixed, and we must talk about it, and we have to be able to understand another person's experience, especially someone who doesn't look like like you, and that works in every direction, but yeah, yeah, like if we're going to talk about like justice system things and stuff like that, you're right, like statistically speaking, someone that looks like you versus someone that looks like me. I'm in a little bit of an advantage strictly by how I look, which, you know, that's that's a problem. Where I start to get more, not defensive, but like, let's be careful what we do here is that, yes, I do agree that certain unknown attitudes absolutely can be passed down, even unknowingly to some people who have the right intentions and don't realize that some things are hardwired that shouldn't be hardwired in them from yeah. like biological, evolutionary, whatever. Mm-hmm. But when we start going to, and I'm just cherry picking the example you used, like, you know, my great grandfather, and there are some people like this, by the way, was the fucking 
whatever it is of the Ku Klux Klan and shit like that. And so therefore, then I automatically have all, all this shit built in. I think one of the problems we have is now we overgeneralize to where everyone is a part of this, you know, racist history and everything. And I'm not discrediting or discounting the fact that like, especially like look after slavery and you look from 1865 definitely through the 1960s and you look at all the different programs generationally that were put into place mm -hmm. to put certain people behind the eight ball yeah. that we still see the effects of these days. Yeah. I don't argue that. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is we need to also recognize that we now have a lot of people who at least are, who look like me, who are incredibly aware of that. And we also have a lot of people who quote unquote look like me, mm -hmm. who emanate from countries that aren't even white and we call them white. You know, like when did I start, when did we start calling greek people white when do we start calling jewish people white? you know what i mean like it's it gets this crazy us versus you mentality and so what i try to do is bring that back in and say okay let's recognize the issues let's put all those on the table and let's not go too far and try to say everyone has this or everyone's biased like this the system is fucked burn it all down no let, let's burn down the parts that actually can be rebuilt be more beautifully let's not burn them down let's tear them down with a nice demolition and create a great big building and it'll take time but let's do it that way so i wanted to make sure i said that to kind of readdress that and and see what you thought there but how do you burn down bits and pieces how do you burn down bits and pieces of a tree without it catching on fire fully like the reality that's why i'm saying use a demolition of a building that was a better example okay i'm mean, all right but i mean i guess what i'm trying to say is that like you you have a point you have a point where there are times where we do overgeneralize a lot of different things but I think that one of those things is, and that was what I was going to talk about later on, like some more fun topics is like, it's, it's, it's a marketing thing. Like when you go around, when you go around the world, the projection of what we look at and what we look like or how we act and how we are is very, very stereotypical of what people would think a lot of us are. And for example, mm. if I go out, if I go to if I go to a European country, if I go if I even go to China, because this is a real life example that happened to a friend of mine, I'm not gonna express like what he was doing, but he was there in China, a couple of his buddies, he was doing something. They literally told him he couldn't come in. And ideally really was just because he was black. And me looking at this situation, it's like when people see African Americans in a different country, they think a lot of the things that they see from say American TV, or they see a lot of the things that they see off of comic books or stereotypes that have been projected and why that becomes such an issue of why it isn't us versus me mentality is because now it goes back to the concept of this stuff has been projected in your mind bits and pieces bits and pieces bits and time after time after time i don't disagree with yeah. that by the way i yeah, understand no, that yeah, yeah yeah so it's like what happens with that is now even though even though say somebody in greece may not be the yo the white supremacist that ruined everything you're still influenced by the bias that was projected from whatever you saw. I don't know if what I don't or know from the fact that people at least don't say you come to America. People don't categorize you the same for the wrong reasons, like the, yeah. the bad people versus how they would categorize you. Yeah. Into, okay. So it's Got like it. it's like if you're Greek and you come to America, you look white. And it's not, and it's, and it's not a bad no, way. Yeah, it's like yeah. you you look white. So it's like when you, we see you as a white person. Yeah, you came from Greece, but it's like I was like, yeah, yeah, he's he's white, and it's like you automatically once you jump into the system, it's like you're white and you're being treated as such. If I come from 
Africa or come from Nigeria, I'm input into the system. They don't give a fuck if I'm Nigerian to an extent. And then you treat me the same way that you treat the guy who has ancestors that were drawn here. And it sucks because it's like a lot of times it's like you've talked to me, Miles and Shan, like from what you would see on old TV, we're nothing like that. And I specifically say old TV because what you start to realize is that breaking down all the stuff that has happened to people, you know what I mean? Like people, African-Americans, what you start to understand is that when you actually understand fundamentally why certain things are happening, it it's it makes a lot of sense. It's like when we look at, okay, why do all black people live in poor communities? It's like, well, you have to understand that in a lot of in a lot of major cities, the larger the population, the more segregated it's gonna get. That's just natural statistics. When it come when you come to a situation where we talk about redlining, we talk about all the different things that have happened mm-hmm. in the country, it's like we're built in a system to make us look poor. Like and it, and it comes to a situation where now it's you you have you have the I'm not even go there, but you just have a lot of things in media where it's like you're projecting a certain image of how people are and you know that America is the media capital of the world. So when all that stuff goes across the world, not everybody's going to come to come to America. Not everybody's going to come here and everybody's just going to see, mm. oh, shoot. There is this black guy on TV that I saw. He has his hand, he has his pants hanging low. He probably has a gun. So if I decide, even if I want to go to fucking Sweden or Spain, if I'm just wearing, if I'm wearing like linen pants, they're still going to assume I have a gun. They're still going to assume that I'm some type of criminal or some type of person that's going to do harm. And that's why it's like, it's very important for us to understand that like, you're a hundred percent correct in a sense of like, yo, we need to destroy a building and rebuild it back up beautifully. But for me, the way that you have to look at it is that in order for you to, it's like one of those situations where it's like you, you have a building right here, but you also have to understand that there's still plumbing that you probably still gonna have to destroy in that building. There's still, there's still other stuff that you have to create. You have to create additional tunnels to build that system. to where you want that building to be the most beautiful building that you want, i.e. you want the the most beautiful society in which we all have, been able to assimilate towards each other and not have any of these biases so it's like i get what you're saying but we also have to remember that it's like all these things are all linked to one another to the point where it's like even if you even if you don't want to even if you don't want to build take down the good parts some of that good stuff is going to have to come down and that's where it gets dangerous and and i we could go down a rabbit hole of like picking out well, what would come down. I, I don't think anyone knows that. And mm-hmm. I understand. I, I don't want people ever taking what you the end of that out of context. I understand exactly what you mean. And the intention behind that is, is all good because the overall point you're making ties back to the evolution. I won't even say evolutionary. The programmed groupthink attitudes that get built in based on what society pushes, not just like in our face, but passively in our ears just every day that gets repeated. And because of especially the inner connectivity of the world, there is that added to it. And then even put on top of that, the fact that evolutionarily, as you pointed out a while ago, yes, we recognize, I recognize when I look at a black person, you look different than me. I recognize when I look at a Greek person, there's a, maybe it's like lesser, but like they look different than me, right? Yeah. We as humans, we do have a built-in thing that says that. But I don't know if you ever just like sit back and just like hate laugh at, at some shit, but it's just like the whole thing is this – like when you actually just stop and get rid of all the noise and just think about what we're talking about. 
it is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. If you have an animal, we are, as humans, we are an animal. Mm-hmm. I think I said that. I had, a good, uh, I had a good thing with that last time where I was like trying to get the point out. And I remember I was laughing my ass off. And I don't know how you come to straight face. But anyway, like we're, we're this like animal kingdom object, like creature. Yeah. We are all the same. Yep. We happen to emanate from different points with respect to the literal equator, which yep. just has to do with where the sun is. Mm-hmm. This is how simple this is. And yet, for some reason, since the beginning of time, <laughs> we've built in this thing where because the sun affects different people on the outside of their organs, which affect their actual body and what they can do and how they have fucking four limbs, provided they're a fully limbed person. We want to be very respectful here, but they have all those things. We have ignored that part of it and just decided, like, however the outside of each of our cookies is baked, that's going to be the ba- the basis on how we judge the social standing yeah. of someone else. That is dumb. Yeah, it's it's wild to say the least. I could be wrong. We could look this up. Um, there's a book called The Color of Law that I have not been able to read yet. And it basically expresses why race has became a construct. Um, and ideally, this is from Janet Yellen. Um, that was the uh, brown-eyed, blue-eyed experiment lady. Wait, not no, no, no. That was not the, Janet Yellen. No, no, Jane no, no, no. Elliott. Jane Elliott. Yo, look at me, bro. Yeah, don't, don't, no, don't, no, no. Janet, don't you know, give me the Janet Yellen thing. My bad. My I'll bad. I'll put was, you in your place on that one. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Janet Yellen today. She's annoying. But point is, is that like um, the Jane Jane Elliott was the blue-eyed, the blue-eyed, brown-eyed experiment, and she basically brought up the book that expressed that like. Ideally, race wasn't really a construct until people couldn't really decipher certain religions from each other. So it was it was like a weird it was like right. a weird thing where it was like, okay, I can't tell if you're I'm just throwing this out there like agnostic or you're Pentecostal, whatever. I'm just using this as an example. So we're gonna distinguish you by color. And that's how apparently color started. I haven't read the book, I'm paraphrasing the very, very small that I've heard, but I think that it's very interesting to say because it's like Something as something as minuscule as me just being able to be under the sun longer has now essentially ruined right. generations of other people. It's just it's just weird, bro. It's I this shit is fucking stupid, bro. It is stupid. It, it it's fucking stupid. But we gotta talk about it because the the stupidity is is built in. Yeah, and that's the craziest thing. And it's like what I find so what I find so funny about it is that like like I've said this before. I probably have said this here. It's just like. As crazy as people discriminate against African Americans and other minorities, it's just very ironic because a lot of these minorities essentially have created what we've wanted in society, which is entertainment. When we look at things like music, mm-hmm. when we look at things like acting, when we looked at when we look at all these different things, a lot of these a lot of the culture that we have now, or a lot of the pop culture we have now has has been essentially on the foundation of what these minorities do and yes. i'm saying all minorities because it's like we have talented spanish people black people asian people all of that but when we look into things like say music when we say sports all those things that's built on the backs of african americans primarily and it's just very unfortunate that it's like we've only been i guess reduced to that you know what i mean yes i and know it's exactly just, what it's, it's it's unfortunate and it's like we're not really being told or shown our true value unless we're a muhammad ali or we're a kanye west or we're a jay-z where 
you're in these rooms with, I don't want to say larger than life, but these super big execs who can basically influence what you watch on TV. And they say, you know what? I like him. I like Kanye. I like how Jay-Z thinks. I like this. And it's like, it's just really unfortunate that the only time we get the acknowledgement of how we build culture is only when we only have as much money as the people that can control the rest of our lives. Unfortunately, that's deadly accurate. Idea. Sorry it, about it, yeah. No, no, it, it is. And you bring up Kanye, who you and I were talking about this. Mm-hmm. He just did, and you know he does some stuff once in a while, and you really get a, a thought process into him. And I'm I'm a huge fan of him, and I've talked about him on the show before. Mm-hmm. He's like a to me, he's crazy, but he's also a genius, and he's crazy. And he's and he says what he thinks, whether yes. you like it or not. And there's like, at, from a cultural standpoint, he's just to me a critical person. You have to critically analyze everything he says because sometimes he'll be like, "Wait, what the fuck did you just say?" But so you never take anyone for law with what they say. But so often he just comes to these wild, but holy shit, conclusions where yep. I'm like, "Damn." And so we had been talking about the one he just did sitting down with Nori, who used to be called Noriega, who's got I, – I guess that's that's a podcast, right? I watched it on YouTube. Yeah, but, Drink Champs. Yeah, okay. they consider it a podcast. Yeah, it was it was, it was good. I, I, I thought they did a good job, and it's a different model. They have like a live crowd there while they're just sitting down shooting the shit. But for people that haven't seen that, he sat down with them for over three hours. And god damn. I mean, I don't know what you thought, but it was like – there was there was this element of him just, of course, saying whatever the fuck he wants because he's Kanye, but also putting all these different opposing beliefs for different things, boom, 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 right yeah. next to each other where the audience who you have to assume each of those individual people by and large is just someone who's one way or the other at this point. They're all sitting there like they're the same person, just like, wait, wow, okay, let me think about it. Let me process all this. And technically, technically, all the guy's doing is just thinking for himself a little bit and putting ideas out there for people to argue. Mm-hmm. And yet, I step back and go, holy shit, is that important these days? Yeah. Low bar. It's, 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 the, yeah. Come on, Mike, a little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah it's, it's really, it's like, Kanye's a very interesting person. Um, I think that for me, I used to, how do I say this? Because actually, I'll just say it. Now. He's a really interesting person. I, like I'll say the the interview was really interesting to me because from what I did watch, a lot of stuff that he was saying was making a lot of sense. It's like I think the concept of him just living in his bag and that's what he considers his home was really interesting because it's like we look at things as like yo we have this five we have this five six bedroom house and this is where I live but it's like it's not necessarily where you live. It's like and I mean it sounds corny but to me it's like it's like home is where the heart is. It's like you don't need you don't need the six bedroom house to say this is my home like you literally could be in an apartment or you could be in a hotel and be like this is my home because i have the stuff that makes me feel like me and i think that's the concept of just homes in general like home when you go home it's the place where you can be yourself that's what you need and that's just what life is it's like we we've placed so much emphasis on material things to make us feel this way but it's like what about the stuff that just makes you feel like who you are like art makes me feel like who I am. Me looking at me looking at things that have to do with law, me just looking at just just life just makes me feel like who I am. I love taking I love taking pictures. I love art. I love writing. I love doing these things. Those make me feel like moose. 
You know what I'm saying? And it's like Kanye breaking that down is like, well, I have my MacBook, I have my I have my external hard drive, all this stuff. This is what I need. And that's just a beautiful thing. And I think what was also beautiful about this is just this is what where I go back to the whole concept of interdependence, where it's like, yo, I just stayed at my homie's crib in Chicago for a couple of days while I'm doing this. And it's like, this is where you start to where you're not really paying attention. He has the big messages and stuff like that, but it's the little things with Kanye sometimes. Wait, what like, was that message? He was saying that, yo, I I don't have a house. I didn't stay at a hotel. I just stayed at my homie's crib in Chicago for a couple of days. I forgot what he said he was doing, but he was oh, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and he's my, a billionaire. Yeah, and he's a billionaire. Yep. And it's like, yo, he has all the money in the world. He could stay wherever he wants. He could buy whatever house he mm-hmm. wants, but he's like, yo, I'm just gonna go stay with my homie. Right. And it's like, why that's so profound to me, it just, it becomes like, it, it goes back to this whole thing of like, when you're not really thinking about it this way, it's like, oh, that's funny. But it's like, think about it. We live in a situation now where everybody wants to be individuals. Everybody wants to be by themselves. Everybody's emotionally unavailable. Everybody wants to be secluded. Excuse me. Everybody wants to be this type of individualistic person. But once again, like I said earlier, that's not how society works. You don't get to win. You don't win in society by just being by yourself. Like Steve Jobs couldn't be Steve Jobs without Steve Wozniak. You know what I'm saying? Is it Steve Wozniak? Yeah, Wozniak. Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's like we have these different, we have these different profound things. Oh yeah, I, I can do this by myself. I'm I'm an independent millionaire. I'm this, but Kanye couldn't get where he was without Hove or Dame, especially yep. Dame. He couldn't get yeah, he to where he is. Yeah. And it's like we look at this situation as like all these people that even are on your wall right now couldn't get to where they were going to be without interdependence. And it's like now let's not even say Kanye was a billionaire. If Kanye wasn't a billionaire, he had zero dollars. And the fact that he could say this homie's crib shows that you still need people at certain points in your life. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that, I mean, from what I was seeing, because I honestly don't remember because I watched it like three weeks ago. But like that was one of the biggest things that like I took. I'm like, yo, like this dude is a billionaire. He can buy whatever he wants. He could buy whatever house whenever he wants, literally on the spot. And all he said was, yo, I'm just relying on my homies a little bit more than normal. And this is what I want to do. And that's it's cool and i think that we could all take a little piece of that and just say listen there are people that you're gonna need in life you can't be strong independent and not need nobody you know what i'm saying yeah and that's just and and i think that's one of the most profound things that i saw on that um outside of him coming crazy at big sean and john legend (laughs) um and everyone else it was just yeah it's just interesting the the point you had made before that talking about the guys who get to the table they the fact of the matter is they're getting there because they have the money that they were able to get and there's a few of them who have been able to do it and they pull it off Mm -hmm. i said it's true because i think the evidence is crystal clear on that Mm -hmm. so i agree but with him i think that the fact he however it happened and it happened through him just basically being a guy who defined culture across two critical things music and fashion right Mm -hmm. however he got there great he's there we'll look at that later but now that he is he's continuing not only to openly influence in those critical segments Mm -hmm. but he telegraphs tells you exactly how he's going to do it even if it's something where he's like i'm going to make people who hate this thing right now like this thing watch me go do it when you add that demonstrated power where he says, like, I'm going to do it and you're going to watch me and we're going to sit here six months from now and it's done, to the fact that he is then also someone who will come out and give his constructs, like mm-hmm. the one you just pointed out, 
and make people think about things differently and want to because he's the one saying it and he's Kanye West and he has this platform. He has this power. He has this influence. You now are opening up the possibility that more people unknowingly are going to unplug from the machine by listening to someone like that, even if they don't agree with everything he says, which is actually healthy. I certainly don't. But like they'll hear that and then form their own ideas and now actually be the thing that breaks the matrix. So like something he said, like he, he's a conundrum in a lot of ways to me because usually I, I, I can't stand people who fucking say what they are or like brag about themselves yeah. and stuff. I think he does it for a lot of comedic effect and I laugh my ass off at oh, yeah. it. Normally something that he said back in 2013, I think maybe for the first time then, but was starting to say on The Breakfast Club, Normally something like this would have made me go, click, shut it off, fuck that guy. But it had the opposite effect, and that was where he was going on and on for like 10 minutes, and he's like, I look at myself, I'm Steve Jobs. I am not, I forget the musician he used, but he used some sort of example. He goes, no disrespect, but like, I'm more like this, and this is why. And then he tied that point into, through a whole bunch of things, to the fact that, and it was funny, but you think about it, it was also real. He's like, no one gave a f- gives a fuck what... Barack and Michelle are wearing like a few people do on Twitter but he goes Kim and me go wear something everyone's rocking that shit the next week and he's like so what's more important and some people might look at that and be like well fuck you you're talking about fashion versus like politics that actually affects laws no he's talking about who has attention for ideas that other people are going to suddenly be able to think about and decide that hey maybe we will fuck with that or we won't and he's like we've lived in this world where the politicians and the governments and the powerful few which They've cert- certainly continued to do this big time, big time in a bad way in COVID. Take power and they take ideology and they take us all and say, no, 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 this is what you're going to do. You don't like you. You don't like you. That's how it goes. And by the way, run along and play. We're going to take care of things. And now we have platforms where people who are totally outside that system but have thoughts that can affect it, like a Kanye, like a Jay Z, something like that, can use that platform, talk about it. And unplug everyone from that machine I talked about and and change things in the process of just changing fucking pop culture. Yeah. So based off of that, do you think that he accomplished that with Donda? Uh, No. Actually, I'll say no right away. Okay. Because, and this is important. Do you think Donda was good? Yes. Okay. I love Donda. Okay. But it's it's an album. It's Mm -hmm. one album. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't, I think when we start to say like, like let's compare it to anything like a piece of art, right? Because that's what it is. It's an art. I think when we start to say that one thing that this person, this great person created is the definition of who they are and every single thing they stand for in like an entertainment art form, which any piece of art has an element of entertainment to it. I, I think that's like, all right, slow down. You're, you're taking shit too far. But I'm curious why you asked that, by the way. Because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think Donda was a good Kanye album, and I don't think that I don't think that that's Kanye's album. What do you mean you don't think it's his album? I don't think so. This is this is where this is what I was trying to explain to Miles and Shan, but I didn't think I I like expressed this the best way. I don't think that. I think that Kanye, in terms of music, is losing what made him special. How so? 
when we look at all the music, all the albums that he's made, produced, things of that nature, what made Kanye so what made Kanye so special and so great was the innovation of what he was trying to do, right? With the sound. Yes, with the sound, okay. with the albums, raps, everything, right? Okay. And when we continue to look at that, that's where that's what made me feel so great about Kanye, where it's like you're doing something different and you are being different. I people Miles calls me a Kanye stand because of just how I loved Kanye so much because of he dared to be different and he was comfortable so comfortable being different and he ended up being right about him being different. Yes. Right. And so for and so for me now looking at it, it's like I look at Donda, I look at your Jesus is King, I look at your Sunday service and everything, and I'm like, bro, you lost your touch. Like, this is not innovative to me. And the reason why, why not? Because this is literally out because this really sounds like a chance to rapper album. This sounds, if you want me to be honest, like really think about think about all the think about all the actual Christianity concepts, the gospel sounding mm-hmm songs on donda Mm -hmm. i didn't finish the album but i'm saying for a fact if you were to put chance the rapper on any of those songs that would have been chance the rapper's album and not for nothing i'll go a step further and even say that a lot of some of the elements that he he took a lot of elements of what he's doing now from chance the rapper's coloring book mixtape he just turned it into he just brought it and said i'm gonna do it the kanye he's i'm gonna make kanye's coloring book I don't know that he I'll give him this credit. One place I'll argue and say I disagree is is the last part there, especially. And 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 I I I like the album, so we disagree there, but I I see what you're getting at here. When it comes to the sound, Kanye's career has been built off of repeatedly creating a new era of what he cultivates the vibe to be right. And the vibe comes from the sound before even the rap and everything he puts on and who comes on Mm -hmm. songs and shit like that. That That's true. Looking, starting at the first album back in 2004, going all the way through now. And I think he's at what, like 11 studio albums, something like that. They are all broken up into distinctive, completely different emotions that you get from each one. In, Maybe there were a few that mm-hmm. overlapped, but you mm-hmm. see like yeah. general eras. Yeah. And then like he got the black skinhead and it was like, whoa, like mm-hmm. way out there, right? Mm-hmm. And so now Donda was, he went to the Jesus is King album and went through the whole like 2018 where he suddenly became even more aware of his Christianity and all that and went for like a full gospel album, which is not my cup of tea, right? Like that actual album, I mean, it was brilliant, like the sounds and stuff, but that's not like... I'm not bumping Jesus is King. Like, I'm bumping Life of Pablo. It's not even close. With Donda, he integrated, to me, he integrated some of the greatness of those sounds that he cultivated during this era, this born-again, I don't want to say born-again Christian, but where he was, like, really above and beyond about it, cultivated some of the great musical vibes he took from there, along with some of the themes where he's always talked about God and his music, so he kept that. And, like, one place that I, I don't really care. Like, he, he bleeped out anywhere where people curse. You know how I feel about that. Just fucking say it, dude. Like, I, that, that I, was, I wasn't a fan of, but whatever. You know, he took some of those themes, integrated it back into it, and then integrated 
the cultural Kanye into it. And to me, like also, I love the genius of the production quality of what he does because what people, a lot of people still for some reason fail to give him credit for is that, yes, I think Kanye is a very good rapper and a great musician, a great artist. But like the thing that pushes him is the fact that he came up as a producer and he's fucking incredible. Incredible. And I thought the sound was great. No, the sound, don't get me wrong. The sound is great. But I think that the issue, the issue that I'm, the issue that I saw with it now, because I was really trying to think about it, it was really like, yo, chant. It's like, okay, I'll put it like this: when we look at what Kanye has done, when we look at when we look at Yeezus, we see how that influenced a lot of Travis Scott's music, mm-hmm. a lot of the rage rap sound that we listen to today. We see how that kind of influenced um Travis. I said Travis already. Travis and yeah, rage rap. We see we see how Kid Cudi also influenced Travis Scott in terms of how he sounds on his album sometimes, and we ASAP Rocky was yeah, the other one he said yeah. yeah, and it's like for me what 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 I saw was that with Chance right we saw how a lot of the college dropout kind of influenced how Chance the rapper is yes but what you notice but what you notice about all of these musicians that I'm saying is that what you've noticed is that all of these artists the Chance the Travis. Um, I guess you could put Cuddy in there a little bit because, you know, they work together. But it's like what you'll notice is that they made the sound and made it a lot better. They Wait, took what? They took what the sound? elements of what Kanye influenced, what, of the Kanye influences, and turned that into a much bigger sound. So when I say, like, when we talk about Kid Cudi, right? When we talk about Kid Cudi's last album, Kid Cudi's last album was really good. I agree. Yeah. But it sounded very similar to a Travis Scott album. Not in the sense you of thought so? not in a sense of not in a sense of yo, this is like a rage album. But when you actually break down a lot of the elements on how it is, Travis likes to take you on the same story that Kid Cudi likes to take people on. When you look at how they use their voice, when you look at how they kind of rap, they do the upbeats, the 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 yodeling, things of that nature, all the all those elements in a lot of those songs were there even culturally a little bit in Kid Cudi's last album it was there I gotta go listen to that again yeah, it was a great say. album don't get me wrong it was a great album say, it was but... a great album but I guess what I'm trying to say is that when we look at Kanye and I look at Donda my biggest thing was that you had the college dropout influence to influence Chance Chance brought it in in um what's the song called I mean not the um the mixtape called an acid rap um, the good ass intro and outro and then he brought it back again for coloring book right and so for me it was like we had coloring book and coloring book was such a in my opinion a groundbreaking mixtape because of how it mixed all that stuff together but now you kind of saw kanye say okay we had this i'm putting him on ultralight beam it worked everybody loved it and then you kind of just took everything Mm -hmm. and then you were just like all right cool let me build off this ultralight beam chance to rapper um kirk franklin similar formula that i had and then i'm going to expand it into this and then I add the the producer, okay. the produce not the actual making music, but the producer aspect of it. And so why and so why that becomes an issue to me is like like Connie has said, Connie sees himself as Steve Jobs. And one of the things that you'll notice, and this is and this was something that I was also trying to explain to mom um, Mills and Shan, is that the the out like that that's been my biggest issue with Kanye. It's it's when you look at what Apple has problems with, Connie has issues with. Kanye had a debt issue. Apple had a debt issue. That's why they split their stocks. I mean, nobody really knows that, but yeah, they had a debt issue. Can you elaborate there? On I mean, both they split ends? 
Um, so Kanye had a debt problem. He owed sixty six million dollars. Remember that? Yeah. This is what like twenty sixteen, yeah, like a couple years ago. Yeah. yeah. And then Apple also had a debt problem. Um, this was like I think like one or two, three years ago. Um, and they split their stocks so people could buy more. Um, and Apple had a debt problem. Yeah, they have a debt problem. But they have more cash than seventy seven countries combined. They could still have a debt problem. I gotta look at that. Yeah, I could be wrong on that. All right. Once again, that's just my head cannon. But All right, yeah, we'll fact check. That yeah, we'll later. fact check that later. But, but yeah. my okay. point is, is that. Kanye Kanye has very similar tendencies with Apple, if what I'm saying makes sense. Yeah. The marketing, when you do the marketing, yes. both Kanye and Apple, they not their their product isn't really built on the actual product. It's built on the anticipation of getting the product. So when Donda came out, what we saw, what we saw, what we saw was, yo, you saw the presidency thing. Obviously, I'm not taking his mother's, but you saw the Drake thing. You saw everything coming out, and you kind of saw, yo. The listening yeah, parties. Yeah, the listening parties. Kanye was, like, even before the listening parties came in, we had rumors that, yo, Kanye's dropping down to this year. Then he pushed it back. You know what I'm saying? He pushed it back. Oh, he's you a marketing the, genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get that That's straight. what I'm saying. Just like, Apple, just like yeah. Apple knows exactly what the fuck yeah. they're doing. So when you saw the very similar elements, now what you see is that Apple drops the iPhone. They say, okay, we're unlocking, we're unlocking the keyboard on the iPhone, so you can now use third-party apps to have different types of keyboards. We're now allowing certain people to now use FaceTime. You're opening up certain things, but it's like a lot of these things that you guys have been like Apple creates is groundbreaking. A lot of these other phone companies like Android have been doing for a while. Like, oh, you can now change the widgets on your phone. You can now customize your phone. Like, Android's been doing that for years. And so now why I was saying the whole Chance the Rapper issue is that with Kanye is that when you look at Kanye, I'm not saying Kanye, I'm not saying Kanye isn't great in what he does. I'm not saying the production wasn't good. But now when you look at it, the same stuff that Chance the Rapper was doing on Coloring Book, he now saw that and was like, okay, cool. I'm going to bring him an ultra light beam. And now I'm going to make this album. So now for me, I'm looking at it like, yo, like Chance the Rapper did this years ago. And it was like the best thing since sliced bread. You know what I'm saying? You remade How Great Is Our God. You made you remade all these different songs. Like Chance has been doing that. Like that's been his, that's, that's been his bag. And now Kanye came in with the Sunday service and did the same thing. And then now you see Donna come out. And so now for me, why that was an issue with me was because Kanye, for me, I've always been so happy for like for him and I resonate with him so much because he was different. And for me now where he dropped this album, I kind of felt like he dropped the ball a lot because he was trying to do a lot of things that everybody is doing and culturally what ended up ha- what ended up happening is that I think that he missed the ball on some things cuz he's very innovative and I think the innovation part on some of those tracks especially with Fivio Falafel was was not there. <sighs> okay, well, there's a lot to pick off there. Um, there's no way I'm going to get to everything I'm thinking about that. But, okay. First thing on the that final kind of point you were making right there where you're going through him ripping off music. Here, here's where that part doesn't quite sit right with me. Okay. You also said correctly that guys like Chance, and you can relate it, like in some ways, Travis, Cuddy, whatever, they took elements of inspiration from Kanye's earlier album before they were up and mm-hmm. then created their sound out of it. And mm-hmm. now what you're saying is that you feel like he just copied the sound that they took to another level out of his inspiration and now is not doing something as original and is going towards what they're doing. 
what I think is that Kanye, who created this movement, if you want to call it that, even mm -hmm. back in the day, mm -hmm. is now the creator who is continuing to iterate on top of his own shit that other people happen to also iterate on top of, but he's the author. So like, and not that they did this, I'm not calling them this, but I'm just mm -hmm. using this as an example. You could call Cuddy and, and Travis and those guys the plagiarizers, and I feel like now we're giving the plagiarizers credit for being the visionary when they copied the visionary to do their thing, and now the visionary's doing something that's close to the quote-unquote plagiarizers, but now we're making it the other way around like the visionary's the plagiarizer. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, um, but I think what you have to understand is that as, like, it's... All right, cool. I get the shit on Fivio like this. Um, so, so I call him Fivio, by the way. Fivio, I call him Fivio Falafel, Falafel Foreigner, him. whatever you want to call him. I, I don't love Fivio. I like the name. Yeah, it's a nice name. I just he's just I he's a garbage drill rapper to me. But um, so I understand where you're coming from, but how I look at it is. Just because you're the visionary doesn't necessarily mean that if somebody now takes elements of what you did and turned it into their own doesn't necessarily mean that they're plagiarizing. And as Kanye being the visionary and Kanye being the innovator, what I would have expected would be for him to add more elements of things that are missing. I think that mm. now that what... what me looking back on it, one song I do appreciate from Jesus is King is Follow God because I didn't like I didn't like the album at first, but I understood what it was. I didn't understand it now. I mean, but now that I understand like why I didn't like the whole him going the full gospel route makes sense to me. Like now it's like I like Follow God now looking at it because it's like it was innovative. You literally were being Kanye and you applied it in a way in which you would consider it gospel and mm -hmm. that that felt kanye-ish if what i'm okay. if what i'm saying yeah. makes sense and so now because he had that i'm just i'm using this for example yeah. like yeah. when you use the follow god track i'm not saying everything has to be like this but for you to have that if you expanded on it in a way like that instead of just saying okay chance the rapper did this i'm taking all of this and then i'm just going to bring it and be Kanye and just add nice clothes, it becomes a different way. It, beco it, becomes, it becomes a little bit different. And what I guess I'm saying is that in terms of being a visionary, you seeing Chance and what he did, you kind of, you have to see what Chance was missing. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that maybe in my, maybe, maybe I could give him credit in a sense if he did add a little bit more of the culture aspect to what chance was kind of missing because it was very because the thing is with chance is that chance is very chance seemed like the golden boy you know what i mean he was a very like he couldn't do any wrong until you right. know he started talking and doing politics and all that stuff but that's besides the point <laughs> he couldn't do any wrong but then now what ended up happening with connie which i'll say i'll give donna credit for now is that he added a lot of that cultural element you know what i mean yes. even though i hate fivio and i honestly and i still stand on this that fivio should not have been on that drill verse it was still good that he still included that. I just personally think that in terms of him being innovative, once again, this is my bias. When Miles and Shannon listen to this, they're going to laugh. I think that they should have put a UK drill artist on there. And mm. then I don't say that because I, Why? because UK drill is like, regardless of, regardless of it starting in Chicago, regardless as if Fivio Foreign is the top 
top drill rapper now. Can you also tell people what drill is? Because it, um, it is a movement. It's wild, like how it started in Chicago, but then it kind of died, and the person bringing it back now is Lil Durk. But it's not. It has moved as you as you're pointing out. It's moved on to other cultural epicenters. I guess you could say. I guess the best way to describe because I don't. So my this is my problem with it. Before I before I say this. If I give my own personal definition of it, I would potentially be doing that a disservice because I'm not from Chicago, nor am I a driller. So, like, my thing is that when you look at drill, it really just ultimately depends on the person. Like, if you if you want to talk about Chicago, if you want to talk about Chicago, this is my opinion. This is not me saying I'm from Chicago. I know everything. But when we talk about the drill music, drill music is very heavy-based. It's very, very violent. It's very... um. I'm just pointing. I have it behind us. Dark, dark, violent, nihilistic content. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's very dark. It's very violent. It's very, very to the point of what you're doing. It's a very... Trap influence. Yeah. What what I I will say is it's very influenced on a lot of violence and your ops and things of that nature to be funny. And so... When you look at the drill, when you look at the drill move, obviously you started with you had Chief Keef, you had Frito, you had um Frito Santana, you had um G Herbo, you had Lil Bibby, you had all these other rappers, and it did kind of die down because the Chicago movement, I wouldn't say it got it got weird, but that's when the people like Mick Jenkins and Vic Mensa and Chance the Rapper, can I say Chance, Chance Mick Jenkins, Chance the Rapper, all came out, and you kind of saw Chicago kind of move away from that because. Those three were not really necessarily drill rappers, but they were more so like we're rapping about what Chicago is. Mind you, we have some of those content, but it's in a different way. Chance was the artsy guy. Yes. Vic yes, is the Vic yes. is the very grungy type of guy. Mick Jenkins is the I would I don't want to say soul, but he was kind of the soul out of the three of those guys in, in the sense of him being the guy that kind of took elements of okay i'm talking about god i'm talking about this like now i'm not saying he's like the the forefather but he was the guy that kind of had that concept like we're talking about jesus christ we're talking about what the healing component is we're talking about all these different things i mean technically kanye did talk about that. i mean yeah i'm talking about i'm talking about yeah i'm talking about like in this new movement of like the drill chicago like that particular era so it was like that kind of happened it kind of the drill movement, I want to say died out, but it just became a very, very regular thing. So what it became, it basically became McDonald's in a sense. Like drill mm. was authentic. You know, you had Chief Keef, I don't like. Then they saw that worked. Oh, musician, um, music labels are just throwing their money at all the little drill art. Not little, but the drill artists. They give them money, deals, all this stuff. And it kind of died out, went away for a while because obviously like Mick, um, Vic and Vic, Mick and Chance, that's actually rhymes. But yeah, they all kind of came out and it became a, it became about, them and how chicago's turning into this thing where it's like you have the drill rappers and you have these three who are like they look like not in a sense but in that chicago essence they look like the kendrick j cole and the kendrick j cole and drake you know what Mm -hmm. i mean and so that kind of happened it died out came back and obviously like the new york scene kind of the new york scene was picking up a little bit with that but then at the same time the uk also had their drill movement and uk has very very similar drill songs because a lot of their stuff is just as violent i want to i want to mm-hmm. stay with this because mm-hmm. we're relating it to donda where you're saying fivio was on there and you would have rather seen like the uk movement but i want to mm-hmm. i want to make sure a touch part of the sidebar on drill because we've never brought up drill on this podcast but it's such yeah. an interesting cultural phenomenon to me when you look at it you said something in there where you were saying that the the record let la- you mentioned like the record labels Throw also 
they did, but then they cha- they tried to switch it up, right? Yep. So this is really important because we're seeing the pushback on this phenomenon now yeah. live through Lil Durk as like a forefront of it because Lil Durk was a Chicago drill rapper yeah. and he is now clearly a Chicago drill rapper again. The reason for that is because he blew up, it, not enormously, but he was big yeah. in like 2011, 2012, 2013. Gets a big label deal. I forget which one. It's 300, I think it was. No, he wasn't 300. Come on. They could look it up. Of course it'd be 300. They suck. But yeah, 300 Entertainment. Who who are they partnered with now? Uh, they got bought up by Sony. Okay. So, oh, yeah, I can't even look at something on your paper. But yeah, so, whenever you want to get the chance. Yeah, I'll, I'll look that yeah. up in a minute. But either way, it was some, you know, Sausage Factory label yeah. who then tried to mainstream him. They tried to say, no, no, that drill was cute, yeah. but we're going we're gonna to make you more... We're going to make you more appetizing for the public, which mm-hmm. is it's what these stupid marketers do, but that's the worst idea. So they did that. They killed him. He was dead. He mm-hmm. was literally dead in the water, so much so that they didn't even re-sign him. They're like, wow, you're done. He goes independent and says, fuck it. We're going back to what worked. Took a while, but he yeah. kept creating, 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 and he's, boom. I mean, he's the biggest drill no, his, rapper in the game right yeah, now. I think, that, I think that his new label, his new label got bought up by Sony, and that's why it's more so like... On that label, he's like the goal. He's like the priority. You but know, he what also I mean? has his own. Like it's the OTF. Yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like when you like when you're in when you're in music labels, there's always a priority. And it's like even when you have like the smaller boutique labels or whatever they are, there's going to be the priority. Like when you look at quality control, like the priority now is Lil Baby, it's Cardi B. Yes. Um, who else is on there? I mean, the Migos is on there, but they're not the biggest priority. You know what I mean? And so when the city girls, yes, city girls, you have Cardi B, you have Lil Baby, and it used to be Lil Yachty, but he writes all the city girl songs now. So it's like, for them, it becomes a situation where it's like, okay, Dirk is our priority because Dirk is the biggest star. He can make us the biggest return on investment. So now you see that. That's why you see Lil Dirk all over the place doing features. He did the song with Drake. He did with Drake twice. He did a lot of these different things because he's the priority. And it's it's kind of like a favor thing in a sense for a lot of other labels. So, um, yeah, Dirk did blow up a lot um, throughout the last two. It was Def Jam, by the way. Oh wow, I'm wrong. Yeah, it was Def Jam. Wow. No, all good. It yeah. doesn't. The point is still the same. Yeah, it's fine. I just want to make sure. Just, so it's like, yeah, it's like he 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 ended up coming out from he ended up coming up um now and he is one of the biggest Chicago drill rappers now. King Von was on his way. Um, King R. Von R. was R. there. R.I.P. R.I.P. to King Von. And yeah, it's it became a situation now where it's like. Do you know what the story there was, by the way? Uh, the conspiracy theorists about the Dirk and Vaughn thing? No. I, no, and I don't... It seemed ridiculous to me. I don't like talking about all those conspiracy and death things because I like it's it's only... It's kind of an... I'm not saying annoying, but it's just... It's it's touchy to me only because of the fact like those are black boys, black men expressing a lot of pain through a lot of the stuff that they're doing. And sure. it's like, they're expressing that through music. And it's like, it's really unfortunate that, you know, like, you know, you still, you're, you're still in Chicago and, or you're not even just in Chicago or any of those places, you're still dealing with those kind of things because it's like, yo, it's just you trying to get out and trying to make a better name for yourself, but you just end up being put back in these situations which forces you to do yes. things that you really don't want to do. So it's like, I don't like really speaking on those things too much, to be honest, because it's like, it goes back to my whole thing of like I feel like music industry whores a lot of these young artists 
for a lot of different no, they things. always have yeah. and and while they're allowed to still continue to exist in that way yeah. they always will and and that and that was my biggest issue and going back to like the whole um drill thing like my whole biggest thing with the, the my whole biggest thing in general is and i've been trying to express this to miles and shan i keep bringing them up because i always bring this up all the time because i mean granted like i said it's my personal bias but it's also fact right mm-hmm. We in America have, I think we are reaching a bubble of the music industry um, in terms of the content of what we're doing. And there needs to be innovation, just in my opinion. What do you mean a bubble? Um, kind of like you're getting to the point where we're literally making everything that we need to make in terms, especially in hip hop. Because it's like, really think about it. It's, I, I don't follow. Expand. Yeah. All the songs on the radio is mostly rap. And we all talk about very similar things. We all talk about very similar perspectives. Everybody has okay. very, very similar perspectives on just about everything. That's why when we have the, the drill concept with baby, well, not said baby King because you got it on there, but when you have the drill, when you have the when you have Fivio Falafel talking about the same stuff that sounds similar to what a lot of these Chicago drill rappers are talking about. I'm not saying that they're the same because obviously these are all very, um, how do I say this? They're all very unique stories, but it all still sounds very much the same everybody raps on the same exact bpm everybody has very similar flows right and when you go to the uk these dudes rap on higher bpms or the same bpms and they flow different obviously because they have different accents Mm -hmm. and so for me why i find that so interesting not even just on drill music but just in music in general is that they give you a fresh perspective of what's going on and for me because i'll say like hip-hop for me I'll say is always telling a story about what we are and where we're at and our perspectives as African-Americans. We have a whole nother country where a majority of, where a majority of the African-Americans there are experiencing similar things mm. in America, but we're just choosing to say, we don't want to listen to them because they sound like they talk about crimpets and tea. And so for me, it's like, we look at that and not for nothing, these dudes spit and it's not even on like, Oh yeah. Like, they're, they're whatever like no they have drill stories like they they have gangs that are just as big as gangs sure. in, gangs in america and it's like we look at these stories and it's like yo these these situations are going on and it's just like bro this goes on in a different country and these people rap about these different things and like yo it's very very vulnerable for them as well and so for me i would have found it interesting for kanye to now bring that perspective yeah, into his right album now. You know what I mean? Just because of the fact that, like, you're an innovator. You, we already know what Fivio talks about. We already know what a lot of these Chicago... And I'm not saying they're bad, like, besides Fivio. But <laughs> at the same time, you have rappers who have changed the drill game, like Hetty One, who rapped with Drake on his album. You have rappers like Millions. You have all these drill rappers that have these bars that, not for nothing, if you were to put them against a Fivio or you were to put them against some of these New York drill rappers, they're running circles around them, like... And I'm not even saying that. And I'm saying that very, very, very generously, you know? And so I just think that in general, just with the Donda thing, he could have been more innovative with that. But in the bigger perspective, I think that we need to pay more attention to the UK because they have a lot of great R&B music. They have a lot of great rappers. And I, and yeah, I just, and not for nothing, shameless plug, like Santan Dave has album of the year next to Tyler the Creator. And like it, he just rapped, rapped was no gimmicks nothing he came out two weeks my album's dropping here here's my single have fun with it and they literally rap circles probably better than the top 10 15 rappers you would consider in an american rap game right now 
Well, yeah, because also half of the half the game, ninety percent of the game is the marketing too, mm-hmm. and everything that goes around that. And so, if you're not, you know, those guys aren't marketing it anywhere near like what Drake and Kanye did, for example, with, yeah. with Dunn and, and, and CLB. But what what's funny is we have the American culture is king bias here that we've had for a long time. It doesn't mean that we don't let things come in and and recognize talent, but the, the reason I'm getting at this is because name a random country, it doesn't even matter what one, in Europe or like Asia or something. France. Okay, France. Bigger one, but still a good example. France fucks with 50 Cent when it, when it came up. Yeah. You know, they, they, yeah. they fuck with Kanye now. They, they Like, if it's good... They're French. They're doing what they're doing. They these guys might be talking about some shit in America and in, in, in English that they don't even understand. But like it's good, right? Mm-hmm. And they enjoy it. And then the people in France who speak English and can understand, they appreciate like a different perspective. Meaning, they let things come in. Not that we don't do that here. We do. And like music started yeah. the big music. Music didn't start the big countercultural music movement began with like. The, you could say Elvis, certainly, but then the yeah, thing that saying, put yeah. it over the top was the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, who weren't fucking from here. Yeah. But over time, we've developed this thing where it's like, we're, no, no, we're good with what we got. And then, yeah. like, if something's amazing, we'll let it in, but yeah. like in doses. Yeah, that, that's a good point because uh, I'll say that even with I'll say that even with Drake, I'll, I'll bring that to hip hop, where it's like a lot of people. I mean, I personally am never doing this, but like a lot of people will not accept Drake as a top ten rapper. And I like I 100% agree. Um, I would not put him in top 10, but it's like Drake is so good that it's like you can't deny him in his talent where he has to be somewhere. Like he's not top 25. He could be top 15. It's like he, he and it's like you have to think about it because it's like Drake's from Canada. You know what I'm saying? And, and that, yeah, and it's that's like, like it's it's tolerable. Yeah, it's like it's right tolerable. There, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's and, the that's, thing. and that's yeah. the biggest thing that you that you look at. And since we on that topic, what do you think of CLB? I liked it. So and and like now, obviously, like Kanye and Drake have played nice. I think that was all an act. But it you know, they, they, they're marketers. They they know what they're doing. But like, when when people to go off besides some of the opinions you put out about Donna, maybe we'll wrap back around to that. But like when people go off these albums and these camps started right away, where it was like your team Donna or your team CLB, like fuck this, fuck that. One of the things I said immediately was stop it. I'm the kind of guy, and I'll admit. Kobe's death was something that really influenced me in thinking this way. Mm-hmm. But like, when you have greatness, shut the fuck up with the bullshit and just yeah. appreciate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kanye and Drake, I respect and like both of them. I would say the style of music, and I like Drake's music a lot. I bump it a lot. But like the style over the course of his career, yeah, I'd probably prefer Kanye a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I'm like, yo, Kanye's better or whatever. I also, to raise the point you just made, and this is out of respect, by the way, I I don't, I'll start with Drake. I I don't put Drake in a rap category. I don't put him in an R&B category either. He's in a Drake category. He does, like, Drake does shit. I, I, I could sit here and break it down bar by bar, word by word, style by style. I don't need to do that and bore some people. I almost spilled the coffee right there. Drake does this drake thing and you're like oh that's it comes on before you even hear his voice you know it's a drake song i would also speak very similarly about kanye and kanye is 
I guess, more of a quote-unquote traditional rapper a lot of the time. Now it's starting to shift a little bit. But, like, still, traditional rapper doing songs in 2008 or 2010, like Runaway. He's his own thing. You know, like, like I'm a Tupac guy, right? Love him. Know every single thing about him. It's kind of a sickness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't... I don't compare Drake or Kanye with Tupac or the other way around. It's respect, man. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's, we're in this weird spot in music in that way where, in a good way, I think, for the better, you can't put some of these guys in these boxes because that, that's not what they are. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is, like, we always, like, we always say it all the time, like, when it comes to, like, hip-hop and rapping, it's, it's competition. And, like, for example, like, I think one of the, I think, for me, one of the best Kanye stories I've heard was the Tyler, the Smucker story where he, where... Tyler, where Tyler had sent his his verse to um Kanye and Lil Wayne, um Lil Wayne gave his verse back um after Kanye, and then Kanye had listened to the whole song. Kanye came back and rewrote his whole verse. He came back and rewrote the whole thing because he was like, "Nah, I'm not gonna let you beat me." You know what I mean? And so he came back, and then now when you hear the song, it's like, "Damn, that's that's Kanye." You know what I mean? And so it's like when we look at when we look at these things, it's it's you're 100 percent right. When we look at just traditional rapping, it, that, I think that's what it is. It's like there's just this competition thing that we want to always be like, you know what? Drake got it right now. It's the same thing with like, yo, Jay Z got it right now. And I think like going back to your Drake point, it's like kind of like how I compared like Kanye to Apple. It's like Drake is really like it's kind of very similar to Amazon. He's very very similar to Amazon. It's it's in a point where it's like he's so good mm. at every single facet. Not yeah. at rap, but at music. Yes. Yeah, but exactly. it's like when you go to Drake, you remember that Drake was originally a rapper. Amazon originally started selling books, but they just started doing everything. They started branching out, experimenting a little bit, and then they figured out it worked, and then they figured out the formula. And that's really the thing that you that you figure out. It's like Drake, one of the things, and I didn't... Did I you come up with that? Yes, I did. That's fucking genius. I've never heard someone put it. That is like, wow. I'm sorry. I got to give props to that. That was beautiful. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, okay, it's like, keep going. It's like when you come, when you, when you sit down and you look at Drake, when you sit down and look at Drake, right? Um, what was I saying? Uh, he was at, like Amazon. He started as a rapper and branched yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. What, what you, what, okay, that's what I was going to say. I liked CLB, but I didn't like it because what, what I liked about it was most moose answer it is it is I liked it because you know I what I like about Drake is that he is very catchy but the problem was that I heard all of the music before that is the problem mm. and for Drake Drake is all about the numbers kind of similarly how Amazon is right and so for for me when you when you look at it it's like Drake got really really good at innovating and still being himself when you see him going a song with whiskey when you see him going a song with jay balvin when you see him going a song with hetty one in the uk it's like he's still drake and he never really changed who he was it still felt very drake ish mm. but where my problem was that when it came to clb my problem with clb was that there wasn't any of that innovation or that experiment that still worked like everything sounded the same like no friends in industry sounded like back to back. Champagne poetry sounded very similar. Um, Poppy's home, all the a lot of the stuff that he has has the very similar sound. But the number one thing is, like I said, he was about the numbers at this point. Like he's he's at the point now, like kind of like how Amazon is, is that he's maintaining where he's at. Okay, okay, okay. All right. If what I'm saying makes sense. Now, now that closer landed it. Okay. So, 
I think I took it differently than you mm-hmm. in how I felt about it, mm-hmm. but I actually share the opinion you did. You just put it right to me. If I were to s- describe CLB, I would say that it was a celebration album. Yeah. It was a, we're a year and a half into this pandemic. Obviously, the world's all fucked up, but like, you know, we're at least going out and doing some things again and whatever. And I'm Drake. I'm still here doing my thing like I do every year, dropping an album. Let's do a good old fashioned Drake vibe to close out Labor Day weekend in the summer and release this thing with some music going into the fall. And let's mm-hmm. just have a good time. Mm-hmm. Like when I look at CLB, I enjoy the album. I think it's a great album. Drake's a, a machine. He's done, I think it's like 13, 14 albums, whatever it is at this point. And mm-hmm. he's been around. He he came around four or five years after he's Kanye. The, he's the only only rapper. He's the only artist right now that has two albums. I think it might be on. I don't know if it's the Billboard 200, whatever Billboard album yes. it is. But he's the only rapper that has two albums on. And there. I think he also has simultaneously. Like, he also has like the most streams or something on Spotify yeah, of all time. Nuts. Like he's insane. So he he's brilliant. All this stuff. But like that said, yeah, I, I didn't think CLB was a top three album Drake's ever done. Just like by the way, and I love Donda too, but. I don't think no, Donda's the no. top. I mean, I mean, I know you don't think that, but I don't think it's top three that Kanye's ever done. But to me, like that didn't change that I like both of them. Now, if Drake comes out and the next album is kind of once again the same kind of celebratory, sticking with the known comfortable vibes that he's now morphed to say over the last like five years especially with the style all right i might be like all right now we're getting repetitive same thing with kanye on the other end i don't think i don't think drake is going to be repetitive on whatever project he brings out next because i like it's when you really sit down and listen to all the tracks like you have heard like you have heard all those drake tracks before like and that's part of the reason why i was like it was a good album because it was like he gave us what we want. It was like, this goes back to my whole thing of like the anticipation of the album. When we had, when when Drake was talking about, yo, this is my sixth album, album number six, you know, it's like, Drake has such a relation to the number six. Like, he's did, he did Scorpion and that did numbers. So now when we're looking at it, we're looking at this anticipation, like, yo, like, this is his sixth album. Like, this might be Drake's best work. You know what I'm saying? And that anticipation where he brought in the 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 commercial the trailer for his album, you started to see like, yo, like this this album is really about to be fire. You know what I mean? And it goes back to what I was saying about the Kanye, the Kanye issue, not the Kanye issue with me as well is like the anticipation was there so much where we were like, yo, like we're anticipating it. And then you had the Kanye and Drake dropping on the same day, similar day type of situation. And we were so like the anticipation got built up so much to the point that when both those projects dropped, it was kind of like, okay. A letdown for you. Not a, a letdown. I was kind of just whelmed. You were what? Whelmed. What, what the fuck does that mean? You know how you're underwhelmed, overwhelmed? <laughs> just whelmed. Did you invent that? No, I got it from Young Justice. Okay. Right. <laughs> I would have given you credit. You could have lied. No, you never. Okay, but you yeah. were whelmed. Yeah. I was just, it was like, I expected more from both of them. And it's that, like, when you build, and that's what happens to, and that's what I think in, in a lot of, like, consumerism culture today, that's the biggest problem. It's like, we do the stuff to build the anticipation just to get the sales, but we don't really focus a lot of time on the longevity. Drake and Kanye are going to have that longevity just because of the fact of their brands. You know what I mean? And I don't disagree with yeah. that. I know what you mean. Yeah. But it's like when you have smaller artists trying to imitate 
that anticipation what happens is that you now bring it into microwave rap where it's like everybody just raps the same thing and then now a couple months later a year later you're not really listening to the project like it's like who's like i mean obviously he's a little bit younger but a lot of older people probably are not listening to trippy red a lot of older people no. are probably a lot of older people are probably not listening to XXX Tentacion. Like a lot of these older people, when they want to listen to music, they want they want to listen to music that's going to last for them. You know what I mean? It's like that's why people like Kendrick are so important. Where it's like his anticipation is not because of the fact that you're building it. Like the anticipation is coming because you know that he's coming to deliver yeah. a ridiculous project. Yes. You know what I mean? And every single time he's delivered, so the anticipation there has never been because yo. I'm doing a gimmick or it's I do this or I do that or I'm trying to run for president or I'm I'm always marketing myself to always be yeah. around. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like for anticipation for me, that's where I that's what that's the anticipation I expect for Drake and Kanye, where it's like his first six albums for Kanye, the anticipation was just because your albums were just that fucking great. Not because I'm running for president or Taylor Swift issue or whatever. You were just so good. It was like, yo, I want more. Earned attention versus... Yes. But okay, okay. You can't argue that. I don't care who you are. You, that point, the evidence is there. I mean, just look at the summer that we already mentioned as one Exhibit A example. Mm -hmm. These guys controlled the narrative for a span of, I'd say, two months. To the point where... Sorry, not to cut you off. To the point where people are building... Like, people are not dropping albums specifically yes. within a month because they don't know if Drake or Kanye is dropping. And they don't want to... Yeah, exactly. So they, they had a stranglehold on it. Now, Drake... Drake's into a lot of things around culture and has businesses around that and is very interested in influencing things. But... And correct me if you disagree here, but he's not as into the meta, you know, like, let's talk about civilization and change through culture that Kanye's into. He's more like, Drake, we're chilling. Let's have a good time. Let's have, you know, good food, good wine, make some good music, have yeah. good fashion, right? So either way, though, they are both into some sort of setting at least pop cultural standards, even if it's for different end yeah goals that's what they both do yeah and so the marketing around what they put out isn't just like yeah well, i want to sell the most do the most album sales and the most streams here how we measure that it's also how do we draw the most attention to either our message or our vibe depending on which of the two you are mm -hmm. when these other people including great artists go the opposite route and they're quieter people they're not into that they're into just making great art and we appreciate it mm -hmm. for it like like the real fans appreciate that and they may even have huge bases when they do that though and there's a lot of different examples we could give they don't have the same ripple effect on society because they have not generated that attention even let's use kendrick even kendrick now when he drops this project finally that's been anticipated for what like three years four years yeah. three four years since yeah. the last album yes he's kendrick lamar it's gonna go everywhere people yeah. are gonna love the fuck out of it and it's gonna be a big deal it won't get to the same level though as like a drake or kanye not because in his own lane in his own style kendrick doesn't have the same ability or hasn't been able to capture crazy attention like they have in the past it's more just because kendrick is more content and happy to work on, on on behind the scenes and not worry yeah. about the whole like 
promotion to the drop. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and it's like for him and, and for him, it goes back to my point about the earned attention. It's like when he drops his music, you're listening, listening to that stuff. Like you're like, it's one of those types of, it's the albums that you sit down and seriously listen to and dissect. So that's why people go back and listen to yeah. it. Even though people may not understand damn, it's like damn is just just from a music perspective alone, people are gonna go back and listen to that even till today. You know what I mean? Even when he probably drops his next project, they're still probably gonna listen yeah. to it because it's such a great project. But like when you look at Drake and we look at um Yay, when they do make the music that they do well, now it comes to a point where it's like it's good enough to last X amount of years. Or it's good enough to last until I can I can make something else and and create an anticipation for something new. Meaning the music dies and no one ever listens to it again? Like not like never not never listen to it again, but more recently what I think happens is that I think that with Drake and Ye, it's more so like, yo, this will last them about a year. This will last them about two years. This will last them about okay. this. When you look at Kendrick, Kendrick has not dropped the has not dropped the track in four years. He dropped one and a half he dropped two verses and Kendrick Noir is now relevant in the game again. And he on still had family ties and um what was the other one? Range Brothers. Okay. And his and his other hidden track on event, but that's besides the point. But my point is is that like Kendrick dropped three verses. And he and literally it became a situation where damn, everybody's tweeting, Oh damn, y'all y'all might have fucked up because Kendrick might drop this year. It's it's like it became like damn it's Kendrick, still something. Yeah, yes. It, it became a damn. There. You know right. what I mean? And it's like, yo, this is this will hold you over until I'm ready. You know what I mean? And it's like, for him, it's more so that I don't even know when I'm ready. So I need to put everything into this. So that's how it's, when it's ready, it's ready. And when I'm ready for my next one, it's not going to be a formula. When I'm ready, I'm ready. Kanye and Drake kind of have a formula in which, in which how they do things. So that's how I was like, this will last two years because the numbers show that uh, the track that sounds like back to back lasted six, seven months. Or tracks with Lil Dirk last me about a year. Or my timestamp records last about three, four, five, six weeks. I'm just throwing numbers out, but it's like. By the way, Lil Durk's verse on Donna was genius. Yeah, no, it was, low, it was really low good. Fucking key. Yeah, it was really we'll good. Get to that. It was yeah. really good. And, and and that and that's just what it is. I think that that's the thing that they're looking at a little bit more. Where it's like Kanye and Drake are looking at those numbers, so that's how they're like, yeah, this will last them like two years, or this will last me a while. Versus we look at Kendrick and it's like, well. I'm throwing my all into this and it's going to last until I want to drop another project or I'm ready to make another project that makes sense. You know what I mean? Not about money, yes. all that stuff. It's just, I dropped that. And that's part of the reason why sometimes he may not even do the numbers because it's like, it's not formula. It's not, it's not a formula. You know, Drake has that formula that once he gets it, it's there, you know? And Drake is the most, and I don't say this as a shot at all. It, because it's it's like almost mathematical genius when you look yeah. at what he's done and how he's pulled it off and how it's a hit. Like yeah. he, he he is a formulaic rapper. Yes, he, he is. knows what goes into making a hit, and he happens to make banger fucking music when he does it. So there are some people who give him a shit for that, but it's just typical people just doing the popular thing of not liking the most popular thing. It, like that's all it is. To yeah, me. and it's like you can call it what you want. Just like we had the conversation, and I'm saying like I don't. I don't even call him a rapper. I call it, he's Drake, right? Yeah. You can call it whatever you want. I don't care. But like, it's good. Yeah. Like, even if it's not your vibe, like it's fucking good. Like there are songs he makes that are like not my vibe. 
right? Where I'm like, all right, I'm probably not going to listen to that again. Even someone like CLB. I'm like, yeah. okay, not really. Same with Donda, too. Yeah. There's certainly, there's some skips on there. That I'm like, okay, I don't need that shit. But like, that's anything. Yeah. You know, even if I wasn't into that type of music, I'm into recognizing the talent behind it. Yeah. I even, I, now I'm into like literally every kind of music, but I even have made a concerted effort over the last year or so to do that with country. I fucking hate country. No, I feel you. It's my one music that I've just always been like, all right, a fucking bourbon, a beer, and a barn. Like, I get it, exactly. right? Whatever. But it is more than that. And yeah. there are some people who are just fucking geniuses. There's um, there's this one kind of like large guy, fat dude. Um, but I, I don't remember his name, but incredibly talented. He shows up on TikTok sometimes. He's like really famous, like one of the big maybe thomas red or no i don't know but people know who i'm talking about and like he'll put out content of him writing new songs on there mm -hmm. and playing it on the guitar like in the tour bus and it's fucking genius and it's like holy shit and so like i'll find a way to appreciate that and i wish people were like that with all kinds of music i yeah. wish people could be like yo i'm not into maybe like rap or something but damn yeah that's some fight that's that's talent right there. And my, I guess my shameless plug because I'm a Kendrick stan. Um, and I think that's I think that when Kendrick started winning his Pulitzer prizes, when he started getting a lot of the, like the not I don't want to say they're weird awards, but you know the actual like literature awards where it's like people are really listening to his stuff outside of like the culture. Mm. I think that's where people start to understand and appreciate things because it's like once I saw Kendrick win a Pulitzer prize for his album, I was like, yeah, no, you guys, you guys are not, you guys get it now. You it's know what bigger. I mean? Yeah, it's bigger yeah. than it's bigger than just saying like, "Yo, like, um, I got loyalty, royalty inside my DNA." It's like you're actually studying what he's trying to say, and it's like for him, and that's part of the reason why for me, it's like I've always found Kendrick and his evolution so beautiful because it's like you really watch this guy who who still was an amazing rapper who can rap rigor mortis, you know, from Section mm -hmm. Eighty, mm -hmm. and now you Great. see how he fit all those words into like think a three minute track and now you see him in damn where it's like the words that he's saying mean so much more but he's saying a lot less you, if what I'm saying makes sense yes. it's like when you look at a song called Lust it's like yo like even the verse it's like it's very very like um what's the word what what it's a it's a it's a simile whatever the word is called no the parable no not parable I, I don't know uh, illusion whatever Illu I'll, I'll say he basically it's a reference of like yo like the concept oh let me put the head in and it's like yo what's your what's your i think he said like what's your pleasure is it pride or whatever it is like he's talking about like alliteration no it's not alliteration because that's like the isn't that the one with the pete yo i forget my I'm, sixth I'm grade, just remembering my sixth grade english elementary right now. my sixth grade english teacher would be so mad but it is yeah. what it is but it's like he's referencing a lot of the points of like yo like what is your pleasure and how pleasure isn't really the best for you. And it's like everybody has the concept of lust because people automatically assume lust is sex. It's not always about sex when you're talking about lust. When he was talking about that song, it's like, yo, you could be lusting after money. You could be mm -hmm. lusting after, you know, whatever it is that you want in life. And I found that so I found that so profound amongst other things about how he rapped about his life, how he even switched the album track list to me. It's so it's such a beautiful album. And he's saying a lot less than how he normally how normal rappers say it in my opinion i'm just it's it's just very very interesting but no, I it's fair and and the, i mean the book on him that a, a lot of people would agree with is that as a lyricist he's absurdly good yes i mean there's a category of like in today's times especially with like kendrick lamar yeah. j cole guys yeah. like that it's like whoa yeah i put him whoa. i actually i actually have a theory i'm putting it on here Go ahead. um my theory is that J. Cole and Wale are the same rapper.
J. Cole and Wale are the same rapper. They're both equally the same talented individual. You're talking to the right person to make that comment because I'm a, I was a day one Wale stan. And it was funny. I had someone else. I think it was Mike Collory was in here because he had some sort of business with Wale. And I was like, you know what? And now I've seen it the last couple months since he was here. But I was like, I haven't even heard Wale's name in like fucking five years. Yeah, Wale's But dropped, I used to bump him all the time. He dropped an album a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like he dropped an album right after Mike was in here. But I still have to listen. Like I know he did it. Mm -hmm. I, I have not listened well, to it. It was but a great album. You're gonna get a friend in that, in the sense that I know that shit when Wale came up, like what he was putting out. Like you remember the Seinfeld mixtape? Yes. Which I mean, one? shit, like the, the mixtape about nothing, more about nothing. Yeah, yeah, mixtape, mixtape about nothing. Yeah. Like when when he came out with that, that was so different and like innovative. I, yeah, dude, I used to I used to hear those as like movies playing inside my head yeah. from his perspective about like a you know. 80s and 90s sitcom of Jewish people living in New York, mm -hmm. but it wasn't about that. You know what I mean? Like, it was fucking it, yeah, crazy. The mixtape about nothing, and you rap about everything, and it's like, not for nothing, it's like, one of my top five Wale songs is on there. Like, like my top five Wale verse is on there. It's the Chicago Falcon remix, where um, I'm the best, even when I'm cynical, handle these beats, like, with my pen involved, so ain't nothing here minimal, yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like, one of those... That verse was so profound, you know, and then you have, you go to a mixtape about nothing where you, I mean, more about nothing that I don't even need to say anything about that. And then you have um, Back to the Future where he was rapping. But point is, I'm, I'm getting, I'm becoming a stand right now, but <laughs> point is, I think Wally and J. Cole are the same rapper and people get mad at me when I say that. I think. Why do they get mad at you? Because people don't respect Wale. Like, let's, let's, I'll, my whole thing has been this, right? I have a little bit of a bias against J. Cole because of his fans and people act like J. Cole, like J. Cole is this best thing. J. Cole is an amazing rapper. I just don't think that it's fair that y'all give J. Cole this much credit and Wale sits in the stands as if he's irrelevant. I think it's just because J. Cole has been, uh, forget even music for a second, though that was the case until Wale recently came out with an album. Over the last five years especially, J. Cole has been much more with attention and culture on on a lot of different like he's in the middle of a lot of shit but i also even like basketball games at lifetime in the sky which is stupid but i'm no, just no, saying. I know what you're saying but i think i think also what you have to understand is that i think that also plays into like the music industry as well because it's like you have to be honest like i mean i was watching wally's pull-up interview with joe budden and it's like when you when you start to hear like some of the stories about rappers where you you know the label some guy who's on a label that you're on is best friends with your manager or your lawyer and now mm -hmm. they start to talk on the back end it's like you don't know what's going on you can't really trust everybody because it's like your manager may not have your best interest at heart because his best friend works on a right. label that's screwing you over right. you know what i mean so it's like when you in that situation and you sign to a label that may not even put you as the priority you now put yourself in a different position like you like I, and i think the biggest issue is that with wale people don't really understand how talented he is and i say that because it's like a lot of the stuff J. Cole has talked about a lot of the things that J. Cole's content wale has talked about what we talk about what was the song called? Um, Wally dropped the song The Eye of the Tiger, right? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. The Tiger Woods song. And we look at J. Cole now and everybody's like, oh my gosh, like J. Cole wrote a song called Kevin's Heart. Like, who really does that? And I'm looking at you guys. I'm like, yo, Wale literally wrote this song like almost 10 years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, they have the same, they wrote, they, the only difference that you could really say is the biggest difference between them is that they don't, Wale is... Wale, in terms of making a hit, is a little bit different. You know what I mean? And sometimes people may not think that he has a lot to say. But I think that's also the same thing with J. Cole, where it's like J. Cole 
ran out of a lot of things to say so the only thing he could really talk about is how great he is now Wale has always been that great rapper and Wale has always had that talent he has the punchlines, he has the content the storytelling kind of like J. Cole has but nobody really pays attention to it because it's like people don't feel like Wale has anything to say I don't know Maybe that, yeah and, and, and know. I'll and I'll say from my end that's I never thought that but look people it's narratives yeah. people it's it's whatever some guy says who's got a certain following puts out you know whatever number of characters on Twitter that's just a you know mic drop moment that might have no fact to it suddenly becomes a vibe same reason that like and this is like a really stupid one to bring in totally separate but you know the common joke and I, I do it too is like oh Nickelback right like oh my god you're like you know what I mean where we just did yeah. that because there's some simplicity to the quote unquote rock that they brought mainstream yeah. They still made hits. You know, it's not yeah. like the, it was dog shit. It was like, there's some songs there like, yeah, you're moving your head to Nickelback. But we created this somewhere, somewhere, like along the lines, someone, I'm not saying they tweeted out, it was probably even before then, but someone was like, oh, he's a Nickelback guy. And now it became like, oh, he's a Nickelback. And it yeah. became this punchline and it gets repeated over and over. Yeah. Then now people believe it completely, yeah. even if it's not completely true. Yeah. Some of it might be, but whatever. And so like, especially when you are not the one with that attention I was talking about a couple minutes ago, like J. Cole has more had in the past several yeah. years and the cultural revolutions we've seen happen, like, you know, with some of the stuff we talked about earlier in the podcast, totally different. Like some of the racial unrest and things in the pandemic but, era. Like th when Wale is not in the middle of that and it's like, oh yeah, Wale was around, people will create the narrative that it's like they'll forget what made him great that might be very similar or even like the same in a lot of ways as what J. Cole is and continues to be great for. But I think that it, I think that's not fair because Wale. Cause it I, isn't. It no, isn't. No, and I yeah. say, and I only say that from a sense of when we look at like, say for example, last year, J. Cole didn't drop a project last year. Wale dropped the whole mixtape about literally everything that went on last year and named it the Perfect Storm, and not one person talks about that. Not one person talks about the mixtape. I didn't even know that. That's my point. It's like I had no awareness. It's like it's like after a while, certain things when we talk about certain rappers, certain things become mm. just a label issue. And it's like, for me, I've always felt that Wale has had a label issue because it's like, there's no way that it's like, every time I talk to my homeboys, like, yo, I think Wale's top five. Yo, you're you're bugging. How was Wale top five? I think Wale's top five um, rapping wise. I think Big Sean is top five rapping wise. And people are like, yo, they're both butt. But it's like the, 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 the issue it's perception. with- It's not even, I mean, yeah, but it's like, the problem is going back to the whole Drake, Ye and Kendrick thing is like, they're so good that it's like, it's almost like they capture all five of the spots and then everybody else is like down here. And that's always been the biggest issue with like the top five, like the top five categories. It's like if we if I talk about top five culturally, my top five cultural people that have influenced like hip hop is ASAP Rocky, Soldier Boy and Chief Keef. Modern day hip hop. Yeah, like yeah. they influenced what we do today. If it wasn't for ASAP Rocky, not for nothing, the way people wear um, Air Force Ones now, they would not be doing it to keep yeah. it, to keep it a stack. ASAP Rocky, and I was selling this to Miles and Shan, like, people don't give ASAP Rocky enough respect. I'm just ranting off my music thoughts right now. People Kanye give, was saying this, too. Yeah, people that, don't yeah. give ASAP Rocky enough respect. Like, ASAP Rocky has two Grammy-nominated artists. He has his own collective. He, lit like, he, he literally creates one of the most groundbreaking music videos, like, two, three, four years ago. And it's like, y'all act like, yo, he's dating Rihanna. He don't deserve to be there. And I'm looking at y'all like, yo, you guys don't know who ASAP Rocky is. Like, ASAP Rocky's the reason why the music that we have today is here. ASAP Rocky made it so when we listen to music, we don't know if it came from L.A., the South, or the East Coast. He's part That's of the reason why. Statement. 
It is. But yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. In, in terms of in terms okay. of him mixing all the sounds together, that's what I'm trying to say. And for him and for people to look at him as if it's like, yo, ASAP Rocky is trash. It's like ASAP Rocky's never been trash. ASAP Rocky's just been an experimental guy. And people, people say that. A lot of people said ASAP Rocky. Really? Trash. Yeah. A lot of people. A lot of people yeah, think see, that. Look, and people are entitled to their opinion, but like, maybe it's just me. I, I don't. I don't pay attention to any of that noise. I, I really like if I'm not even going to pay attention to it with like fucking Nickelback. Of course, I'm not paying attention to yeah, it. No. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just like I'm. I'm not like in. I don't mean this in a conceited way, but it, it's just beneath what what I need to. You know what I mean? No, I like, don't exactly I don't need to waste from. my time with that energy. No, I just pay attention to it because I like I like seeing where people's thoughts are at because it's like it's it's going to be interesting, right? Because ASAP Rocky's dating Rihanna now, and like you know they're both musicians. It'll be an mm-hmm. interesting perspective to see. I'm just saying, hypothetically speaking. If people don't like Rihanna's album, how they're going to blame ASAP Rocky. Or if they don't like ASAP Rocky's album, they're going to blame the fact that he's trash and he's doing this and he's doing that. But it's like, it's yeah. not really it. It's just artists grow. You know what I mean? The I change. Think, yeah. yeah. And that's the reason why people like Kendrick, Wale, Big Sean are so important. And it's like, it's part of the reason why for me about the whole UK thing to bring back all together. It's like, that's so important to me because as a society, just bringing everything back together, we got to grow and change. It's like, the story we've been telling ourselves is like you said, America... America has this complex where we feel like we have what we need and it doesn't need to change. But yeah. it's like what you don't understand is that you're missing a whole nother world of all these people who have all these different stories to tell. And you and it's not even the fact of like it's more so about the fact you're not even choosing to acknowledge it because of whatever it is, whether if it's accents, whether if it's your own personal bias or whatever it is. And it's just like, bro, it's like. There are people in the UK right now that'll sit here and tell you the stories of the racism that they deal with, and you deal with the same thing. And the only yeah. reason why you don't want to listen to them is crimpins and tea. Like, now, or- now th- this is a good way to bring it full circle, though, because yeah. we, we just had a pretty amazing, like, all over the place state of hip hop discussion. Yes, I'm going to enjoy listening back to that. Yeah, it's but it started off with talking about, like, well, did you like Donda? And we touched that at some points, but. That whole thing you just raised was born out of the fact, once again, that you had you had BBO on there. You didn't have you know a UK drill rapper or something, and so that I'm trying to bring this all full circle a little it's, bit because it's, it's complicated. But that whole thing was also you had been saying that Donda was not it was not like this innovative Kanye thing. He was just kind of doing the same thing and ripping off what other people were doing with sound. Where I want to also come into that, I mentioned the whole like visionary coming to plagiarizer and shit like that. That's mm-hmm. that's one point. The second layer to it, though, is that I think you can also. I mean, there were twenty eight songs on on the deluxe. I think there's like twenty nine, including two part two. So let's call it like twenty seven, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. You can rip off certain sounds that, like I said, there's even skips on there for me, mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe that yeah. for some reason that sounds exactly like what Chance would do, and like, yeah. okay, whatever. There's also a lot of innovation, though, period, to me, in my opinion, because when Kanye goes in there and does this and sits with Mike Dean, and all, you know, he has access to the most genius people in the world to help yeah. him cultivate what he wants. These mixes are like a fucking religion. I mean, you see him listen to music for the first time when he's finding a sound. You yeah. see guys like Kanye, and I'll not that he's on the same level, but a creative genius like a John Bellion or something like yeah. that, where we can watch that on tape and, and just see like, like their face, like there's something going on in their mind, yeah. like with these sounds and these pitches and these bars that it just hits them different than it hits most people. It's special. Like, you know that that's got that original nature to it. So 
where I'm coming back is that, like, I look at just as off-the-head examples of, like, different types of songs. Praise God, Jonah with Lil Durk, which I mentioned, Heaven mm-hmm. and Hell, which my only complaint about that song is it was, like, two minutes long. I wanted yeah. a three-and-a-half-minute song. That mm-hmm. song was fucking genius. Yeah. And then even Jail, which was, like, a troll of people and also a geniusly put-together mix by Mike Dean. And then the final one I would say is Off the Grid. You look at these, Mm -hmm. they all strayed from the gospel sound completely. And they went, like, especially Praise God. Have you listened to that instrumental alone by itself? Yeah, it's actually fucking ridiculous. Holy fucking shit. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And Baby Keem had, I mean, that was one of the better verses I've ever heard in my life coming in on that album. So, like, when I look at the full body, okay, mm-hmm. you want to throw something like, what's it called, Jesus Lord, those two to the wind, the fucking 11-minute songs, which mm-hmm. Jay Electronica did body his verse in that. that was and, pretty... and guess who had a Jay Electronica song before him? Oh, fuck you. Okay. <laughs> right, Either way. But still, but that's what I'm saying. Like I know that, that yeah, song, yeah, 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 I'm yeah, not yeah. sitting here bumping like, gee. Like that comes out. I'm like, okay, yeah. let me skip the J's first. All right, then we'll call it a day. But like these other songs here, these are like elements in the album where it's yeah. like, whoa. And then what he did with with the weekend, I thought was it was it was simplistic, yeah, and also a little bit complex. That minimalism, maximalism thing he does, and like I'll listen if the weekend shit on a track, I'm gonna listen to it. Yeah, you know. So like I appreciate that, and I, that's why I thought it was a, it was a very good, well rounded album. So I at least wanted to put that out there to see if you know I'm pushing back against you who just didn't think it was original at all and, and didn't seem no, to like it. No, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying it's not original. What I am saying is that the kind of the, it goes back to what we're saying about storytelling. Like Chance the Rapper told that story. He told the story, like and. I guess what I'm saying is that that story was kind of mimicked and he made it into the Kanye story, but it kind of felt like if you were to put Chance's story on Donda, like if you, I'll say it like this. If you let Kanye executively produce that album, I think that it would sound, I think that Chance's next album, if he were to make that album, would sound exactly like Donda, if what I'm saying makes sense. What about like all the love and relationship issues though? Because there was a lot of personal, either direct or indirect references to like the whole, you know, he's going through the divorce Yeah, I mean, Kim. the divorce thing, yeah, that's also the personal lyrics, which yeah, I'll always say that definitely that's that's part of Kanye's story. But I do also, would I would also say that in a sense that Chance has also had those issues as well. So it's like, it's more so about the fact of like, when you look at the range of everything, it, it kind of does feel like, it kind of felt okay. like coloring book extended. I mean, at least we have Baby Keem, so... Yeah, what do you, by the way, mm-hmm. I, I, I do want to touch that before we move on. Okay. That kid's 20 years old. He came up, he's Kendrick Lamar's cousin. So he has the nepotism advantage of like being, mm-hmm. you know, he does at least maybe get access to things. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to personally, I'm a huge fucking fan. I'm going to give yeah. him all the credit in the world. And here's the funniest part, man. When when he did the first listening party yeah. and I had it playing. Mm-hmm. And there, and I'm and I have Twitter open to him working in here, and people are they're live tweeting like who's on the tracks because he's mm. not announcing it, and they're like, oh my god, because I'm I'm bumping this song I'm like I'm turning I'm like holy shit, this is getting bodied, and yeah. I see the tweets come in like yo, baby Keem is bodying this, and I'm like, I'm like I'm not tweeting back, but I'm like, yeah, baby Keem's totally bodying this, goddamn, he's really he's got great stuff, and then like one minute, two minute, they're on the next song, three minutes goes by, and then I stop and I'm like. 
who the fuck is Baby Keem? Yeah. It's like all these people you know, and like it sounded like this kind of like he belonged there and was born there. Like this is where he is, and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Then I look it up, and I see like, oh, he's coming out with his first album. He's 20 years old. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. And then he comes out with it's the melodic blue, right? That's what he called it. Yeah. And bro, I mean, my god, like it's a different. He's got a different energy to him. But as far as like a debut album coming off of writing that verse on Praise God, which turned into one of the biggest songs in the world, I was like, oh my God, hello world. This is like Tiger Woods coming into it when he did back in the day. Like, hello world, the whole thing. I have a hot take. All right, bring me the hot take. I know, of course, you got to have one. I don't think Baby Keem wrote that whole album. Like, did he get full credits of every single lyric on there? He probably did, but I think Kendrick ghost wrote a lot of those i'll check that but keep going i think that he ghost wrote a lot of those songs um and i'm not discrediting baby keem i think that it was an amazing album um i just think that he was kendrick's cousin and kendrick had three tracks on that album he had three he had three actual verses on that album this is a conspiracy theory i have to say that i know okay I'm, but i'm saying like he like even though he may have full credits on the album i still do think that kendrick probably ghost wrote a lot of that stuff for him because it sound it sound a little bit too kendricky if what i'm saying makes sense like if you listen to range brothers range brothers sounds like a full kendrick F- funny you say that i'm looking at the producers right now and and the writing credits and i was looking at range brothers as you said that the writer kendrick duckworth kind of cool mark yeah. yeah. So what, yeah, you know, I, like, I, I can see some of that. Like, and and it's and that's what I'm saying. It's not about saying that Baby Keem is not talented. I think he is talented. I think that Kendrick definitely saw the talent. I just think that I was talking to I was talking to somebody that I know about this. I think the biggest thing is that I think that he also just has to experience the world a little bit more, so he has a little sure. bit more to say because it's like it's not like it's not that it's it's not that the content is boring, but it seems like we've heard this before. And so growing up, it's like you want to be in a position where it's like now that you're now that you're going to get older, whenever you drop your next album, you got to have shit to say because you can't keep using the concept of, you know, I used to pay for mama used to do this. Mama used to do this. Mama used to do this. Okay. Okay. And so now when you get to your next album, you got to it's it got to be, yo, like I grew the fuck up and this is the shit that I'm experiencing now as a man. You know what I mean? And that's just what it is. I think that he's good for a 20-year-old kid who, you know, who's grown up with the family. You know what I mean? And that's Kendrick as your cousin. But that next album, like, people are going to be looking at you because I don't think Kendrick is going to be on that whole album or he's even going to be on the album. And he was on two songs officially on that album. Officially, yeah. He has, right. a, he has a third. He has a the song Vent. He, Kendrick has a verse, but they took it off. Okay. So i've listened to that album a bunch i've listened to it in two settings mostly i've mm-hmm. listened to it when i'm working out mm-hmm. and i've listened to it in the background when i'm working in here mm-hmm. and i've heard a lot of the lyrics but i need to do a deep dive and actually like corroborate what you're saying to be able to speak completely educated on that what i will say is some of the songs that i paid the most attention to i'll, I'll use one example to keep it simple the very first song on the album trademark usa yeah that's a baby keem song like i never heard some shit like that that was fucking for people that haven't heard that that is what i would call a three act song in one song inside of four and a half minutes it's not like 10 minutes and it is just like it comes out feeling a certain type of way and you're like oh hello and then it goes to come kind of comes down and and with like a with like a fucking steady vibe Mm -hmm. and then goes through the roof again and you're like like i listened to that album for the first time an hour after came out 
at like 1 a.m. on a Friday, and I'm like fucking in here, like I'm yeah. on my feet, like oh my god, what? And I think I think you tweeted out, you're like, oh, Keem's rapping, rapping on this, yeah. and I'm like, fuck yeah, he is. And so I know that that element exists there. Would it surprise me, and does it not surprise me that I can literally look at the credits right here as you're saying that and corroborate that at least at what I'm looking at, like four songs on there that Kendrick has an influence as one of the greatest lyricists of all time, who also happens to be his fucking cousin, yeah, including a song on there called Family Ties, which yeah. you know, let's not bury the lead here, yeah. No, it doesn't surprise me at all, and I'm okay with that. If your point's taken though, if that were to just kind of be the the mo here, and he does two studio albums over the next three years or something and it's kind of the same vibe and you're seeing a lot of the writing credits coming from Kendrick, then people can start to question what the narrative there is. But like, I mean, you want to start on like some of the features he's done, the, the main one that we actually know that's like a main one in public. I mean, Jesus Christ, the lyrics on Praise God were like, I, I'm sitting in here at like, and, and, I'm, and, and I'm repeating, I don't even know what I'm saying half the time and it's just stuck in my head. Yeah. Like, oh my God, dude. Yeah, not nah, for sure. Definitely. Definitely. I, I, I'll agree with that. I think that, um, I don't know about the, the two albums and having Kendrick still write something, then we can make that. Because, like I said, ghostwriting, you may just not get those credits, but you still may have that influence. So I, I so I do. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yes. So like, I do, I do get where you're coming from, but if it does sound, if it does sound similar, like the melodic blue, I don't think that, I think that we're going to have to start asking questions. Like, I don't, I don't think that he wrote that full album. Okay. All right, I'll pay attention. Okay, I knew you, you had to have a hot take on that. It couldn't be. A, it could be all. Yeah, no, it was a great album. I just don't think it that's fully Baby Keem. Some of those lyrics, not okay. taking those Kendrick verses, taking those Kendrick songs out. I just some of it sounds really like something that Kendrick would write. Nonetheless, though, impressive twenty year old coming onto the scene. Oh making, yes, yeah. definitely. Okay, all right, cool. We'll agree on that. But you, you had brought up something. I, I just remembered this, and it's a little different. But fuck it, let's just go there. You brought up something when we came in that I still gotta like process a little bit because I had no awareness of this. But Virgil Abloh died today. Yeah, like he died. Like, well, as we were recording this, like it was it was interesting. He died from cancer, and he was apparently battling cancer for a couple of years, and nobody privately. Knew. Yeah. Yeah, I was just looking at the thing. <clears throat> and I mean, this is and I, I think that he's he's a very innovative individual. Tell um, people who he is who don't know. Virgil Abloh, I don't know what it, I don't know what the, the letters stand for, but he's currently the head of LVMH. Um he's also the owner and one of the uh, one of the co-founders or the actual founder of the Off-White brand. Yep. Um he's also I think he's the creative director current well was the current um creative director of Louis Vuitton, the artistic director. Yeah, artistic of the director. Yeah. yeah, the menswear, and yeah, he definitely influenced culture a lot. He's a he's just a creative person. He was when Kanye went on his disappearing act after the Taylor Swift incident back in 2010. Virgil Abloh, um, who was also a DJ, was with um, Kanye West during that time when he was making my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. So during that time frame, like Virgil Abloh was definitely around. I, I definitely believe it was him. I mean, I know Kanye and him were friends because Kanye's talked about him friends, before. Yeah. But he was a major. I didn't know that he was a major it, influence on that. Album. They were together. Yeah, they, they were. He was. I forgot where he Maybe said this I in one interview. That, they remember. were saying that they were working on Photoshop, learning Photoshop together. Like, that, like he was there with him, like a hundred percent. Like that's his. Wow. That's his man's. Like, it, it used to be him. There's a picture of Kanye when he had the um the eight oh eights mohawk with the suit, yeah. and there was a couple of the people. I think Virgil's in that picture. I could be wrong, but I think Virgil is in that picture. Virgil has been in Kanye's corner for a while, and I think that that's been 
in terms of him being influenced fashion wise, like that was another one of someone that he collaborated with. And I think that it, I think we have to definitely speak to that because he definitely was a cultural icon, definitely being, being one of the first African American. And I didn't want to be taking even further being one of the first African um, creative directors for a brand such as Louis Vuitton and LVMH is very iconic being a part of one of the greatest albums that ever created um, my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is something to be a, a testament to. His creative vision is very, 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 very vast. And even just for him to apply simplicity to things like Nike Dunks and Air Jordan 1s with his off-white collaborations, it kind of shows how much he understood the culture and how much he knows shit just works. And I think that it's, and I think it's a beautiful thing that when we have creators in, in that way, just get it and can directly connect with what they're feeling and how they're feeling and how things should look to the consumer. Not everybody's going to get the Air Jordan 1s or not everybody's going to understand Virgil Abloh's vision. But it's like, as a black man who loves color, who puts color on different types of hues and different types of shades of people, it's really beautiful to see he's getting his flowers for all that he's really done and how he's really influenced a lot of people and actually gave a lot of people creative direction and rest in peace to him. And I hope and prayers up for his family. And I just hope everybody is, is okay during that troubling time. Honestly. I mean, look, he, he did get, he did get a solid amount of credit during his life, which is good. Cause I like to see that it's, it's, it, it kind of, su- I mean, makes people a legend and stuff, but it sucks when you see people never get credit when they live and, and then suddenly they die and now suddenly everyone's like, holy shit, they were amazing. So it's nice to see like he actually got that and felt that appreciation while he was here. I do think he's going to get a fuck ton more of it though in his death because like this whole thing is so interesting to me how this how all these cultural phenomena started to bridge together in a way they never had in say the late 2000s through guys like Kanye and stuff like that where for real for real they made like of course fashion and music were always a thing but now they brought them into business together and then they started to also then change culture and make things like from minority cultures that are now mainstream and appreciated to like your quote-unquote mom and pop white audience in a way your suburban male white male and and things like that where you know if you would have if we would have sat here when we were kids in the 2000s and said, hey, by 2020, 2021, even before then, but when we're sitting here in those years, we're going to see not only that, say, like black culture inspired streetwear has taken a hold of a lot of the fashion industry, but we're going to see traditional fucking over the top bougie ass brands like louis vuitton yeah and gucci or whatever you know all these different places not only incorporate that but say fuck it that's gonna lead the way now and they take someone like virgil who founds off-white and they they bring him in and say artistic director your show baby it's a beautiful thing and yeah and i think that going back to what i was saying earlier about the culture it's like it's i'm taking out the societal aspect of everything and like the the downtroddenness and i just and i'll say it like this it's it's beautiful to see when we're able to express and we're able to show our culture 
in such a way and it gets acknowledged. Mm. I'm not saying that the acknowledgement is like the end all be all. But what I mean by that is like it's acknowledged in a sense of we understand, we see that you have talent and we see how much you understand culture and we understand how much you have been a part of culture. We want to be able to help apply that culture to what we're doing. The fact that you have an African man applying the culture to uh, a brand that is built on a culture that has originally been in a lot of cases for a lot of higher class white people, it's beautiful. I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense in that. 100%. It's like it's, it's, it, it just shows that like this is what happens when you're able to respect somebody's culture, acknowledge that, you know, the, that culture is important and actually apply it and put people in position to apply that culture the way that they see fit. I and, and I'll say that a lot of Virgil's collections for the men has been some of the most beautiful pieces I've seen. You know what I mean? I mean, all, all, it's just start, just start with off white. Yeah. I mean, you know, I love simplicity, and yeah. a lot of people don't realize it, but they love it. It's a natural human thing. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, man! Like, even as someone, I, I'm never gonna lie and act. I'm a simple guy, right? Yeah. I wear some clothes that I bought fucking eleven years ago, yeah. but like. I love fashion, like looking at it and yeah. seeing what the mind's eye comes up with. That's yeah. why I was talking about my buddy Wahid, incredible artist who integrates hip hop culture and fashion into his work. And it's like, I could look at that all day. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'd never wear that, but goddamn, like, wow. Yeah. And to see the movement, that was not a wave. That was a movement that, and it wasn't just off-white in fairness. Yeah. Obviously we, we have to give our flowers to, to different companies here, but like, to see that movement created all almost in concert with each other where you start to then appreciate a different cultural side of simplicity. Yeah. It's not just this, and no disrespect, like to Steve Jobs, obviously, but it's not just this regular old white space Apple for yeah. for nobody. It's more like, yo, there's a bend on this that shows you if, like me, a suburban white guy, like a different end of the spectrum that you can appreciate. I think that's awesome. The downside to it that I often think about, because I think in culture, like you and I always talk about call out culture and stuff and how stupid it is, but like we get dangerously down this slope of calling anything cultural appropriation on things. Now, when people do some shit that's clearly like, what the fuck, man? Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. But there's other times where people are just actually now. You know, maybe like regular old white people are appreciating yeah. or that's the absolutely the intention. Like, yo, for example, black people came up with whatever X style is. That's fucking awesome. I'm in. And then they might get called out for being like, oh, you're culturally appropriating. To me, they're just like, that's not the intention. They're like, no, we fucking respect this. So I kind of wonder why that still exists when we've now even, quote unquote, mainstreamed great even culturally black designs and things like that through things like off-white um it's it, because the, the thing is it's not just about it, it depends on what you're doing and what it is it's like for example we'll say i'll use the common example of black women can't wear their hair out and they can't wear an afro in a workplace because it's it's deemed unprofessional versus still yeah someplace i'm using this as an example versus okay white women gets gets micro braids with extensions and it's like oh my gosh it's 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 this new innovative style it's like when kylie jenner gets her micro braids it's like oh my gosh it's so innovative and it's like bro it's and she and it, it becomes irritating to a lot of women for example it's because it's like 
Kylie will now kind of make it seem like she just came up with this idea. And like a lot of news feeds will be like, oh my gosh, it's so innovative. And it's like, if you're really in tune with the culture, you're going to understand that Kylie Jenner did not did not create micro braids. She did not create knotless braids. Like, Do you that's think something... she really takes credit for that though? You see, I'm not so... even going to sit here and like try to act like the Kardashians don't no, market the no, fuck out it's, themselves. The, the, but... the, the, issue, the issue is, even if she, let's say that she doesn't mm-hmm. privately, publicly, she doesn't say anything. And that's part of the issue. It's like when you have when you have a culture, you kind of have to acknowledge where it came from. If I'm going to sit here and talk, if I'm going to sit here, if people are going to sit here and talk about, um, say, um, actually, perfect example. When we talk about The Lion King, for example, how it's this great Disney movie, we never give credit to the original Lion King movie that came out 1960 something. That was an anime. That was an that was an actual Japanese movie. I know nothing about this. Yeah, so I forgot the guy's name. There is a there I'll is a movie. Thank you. There is a movie um that essentially Disney that Disney essentially bit off of and a lot of the key frames that the Lion King has came from that film. And a lot of people don't know that and I'm using that as an example as cultural appropriation to say it's like you kind of took that, and you took those elements and people don't know about where it originally came from unless you look it up. I just want to read this so people yes. know what you're talking about. Kimba the White Lion. And this yes. is right off of Wikipedia, people. Yes. Kimba the White Lion, Japanese shonen manga series, written and illustrated by Osamu Tezuka, which was serialized in the Manga Shonen magazine from November 1950 to April 1954. An anime based on the manga was created by Mushi Productions. But mm-hmm. Where's the part I just saw about Lion King? It was saying... The Lion King controversy, that's what I wanted. As a number of journalists, scholars, and fans watch Disney's animated feature, The Lion King, they notice characters, plot lines, sequences, and events in the story resembling those of Kimba. And here, and what you're pointing out is that there was, there was a lack of acknowledgement of that. Like, they were acting like, oh, no, this is just us. Like, yeah, and that, that's and, where I have a problem, yeah, too. And, yes. and, the bigger, and the bigger issue is that you'll see a lot of brand, you'll see a lot of clothing brands do this, too. Well, I'll be, I'm going to plug it in. Like, I have a friend of mine who works for this jersey company called Brown Mill, right? Mm-hmm. They just dropped their new line, right? And one of the funniest things that you'll see is that they had this particular font that they had on their clothes, and it was... It was innovative. I'm actually going to go buy myself a sweater probably sometime this week whenever I decide to go to North Jersey. And what you find later is that in a couple weeks later, H&M has the same exact font. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and it's like not for nothing. This isn't the first time H&M has done that. This isn't the first time like, you know, a company like Supreme may have done that to somebody else. You know, like people like, um, what's the company's name? It's um, Kirby, whatever his name is. I forgot his name, but. Kirby Jean something. I'm missing. I'm forgetting his name. He bit off another brand from Jersey as well. Um, there's a guy in Jersey that he bit off of. Um, and he has a story. Kirby definitely. Jean Raymond. Yeah, Kirby Jean Raymond. And it's like we have these different situations where it's like a lot of these people culturally take this stuff that's influenced by one thing or another and they just apply it to themselves because they're a bigger brand. And what happens now is that these people don't get that acknowledgement. The people that created it don't get that acknowledgement. And so now going back to someone like Kylie Jenner who, you know, does a lot of different things that a lot of black women do and they don't get their credit it sucks because now kylie looks as this innovator you know kirby looks like this innovator h&m looks like these innovators for fast fashion and it's like there's these little people at the bottom like the brown mills i'm not saying they're little but i'm saying this in a sense of like they're the smaller entities these smaller entities have created these visions for themselves because they're so creative and then 
Now the bigger companies just take that and they mass produce it, right. and it looks like they came up with the idea, and it sucks. You know what I mean? And it's like not for nothing. I've watched. I literally watched Brown Mills start from them selling shirts in my student center when I'm going to the dining hall to now they have their own store. And so for me, I'm not like I'm not a part of it, but for me to sit here and look at it, and now I see H and M stealing yep. font. It's like, bro, it's like. It's a, it, you're taking what they thought would be culturally appropriate for what they're doing and their with vision. With no credit. With no credit. Yes. And now it's like, oh my gosh, yes. this is so cool. Now that, glad you said that. That is cultural appropriation. To yeah, me. that's, that's, that's what, that's what it is. When that's, people, yes. Yeah. That's where I'm like, 100%, use it all day. What I feel like is we've extended it to ridiculous places where no one's monetizing any, like I, here's an example. Mm -hmm. Adam Levine got cornrows. I've said this one before. This is just like a blatant example. He got like blonde cornrows, just like, I, I don't know if he was like Why? on vacation. He was on like vacation or something. And okay. he meant nothing by it other than like, oh, this was a fun thing to do. Anyone with half a brain who's, who has been accessing the internet at yeah. any point or accessing has eyes to see a TV in the last 25 years knows damn well that the cornrow look was created by the black community and it is it is absolutely something that they innovated and I I mean I grew up an Allen Iverson fan I fucking love cornrows right no one's sitting here going Adam Levine created the cornrow but they they got all over him like cultural appropriation and all that and he was like taking it back like oh my god that's not what I meant at all and to me that's where it's like you want to talk about taking it to a place where it's not supposed to be that's an example. I think that in that particular instance, I think what it, it the, the problem is not about maybe the Adam Levine, but the company or the the news outlet that'll now say something that Adam Levine did something new. Like let's say for example, they're not going to say that though but, about cornrows. But, but but what I'm saying is, but what I'm saying is, it may not be about cornrows for black people. It's about it's like saying, okay, cool, okay. Adam Levine. Did corn rolls. Now, next thing you know, GQ's talking about five ways, five corn roll styles that you could do for your hair this this summer. Talking about white people. Yeah, and it's okay. like for them, it becomes a situation where it's like, all right, now it's becoming a situation where it's okay. like now you're using this for your own monetary gain and you're not even really referencing this type of where it really came from. That's also not Adam Levine's fault, though. You know, it's not his fault. Okay. But That's I think, what I'm getting yeah, at. But Don't I, call him out. Call out GQ yeah, for doing that. But I think the issue that happens with that, it's not. I understand it's not his fault, but I think what happens with that in a lot of cases is that people see that, but they see where it's going to go. And that's why they get upset. It's not. It's more so about the fact of I feel like a lot of people feel that in those cases, a lot of, a lot of white people should feel, should be cognizant of the fact that when you do certain things, even though you may mean no harm, mm. if you do or say certain things that may that even though you may not be a cultural appropriator, somebody else will see that and think that they can do that free of charge. And that's, I think, why people get so upset about the celebrities doing it that are not white, like it, that are not black, black, not black. Sorry, yeah, yeah. And that that that's the biggest thing. It, it's okay. I get where you're coming from. It's just more so. It's about being cognizant of the fact of you're a celebrity. You have influence. This will literally spread quickly, and now all of a sudden you have ten year old Johnny running around with cornrows in his hair as if he as if he knows how to do that shit how do you kill that though you kill it by having more people just not make it a news story by just doing things that they appreciate and being like yo i appreciate that and then eventually no one actually being able to take advantage of it and so i think when we when we micro just demonize one example like that then it scares off other people from even like trying things if they have attention like a celebrity or something 
don't try things just for the sake of attention. Yeah. I don't I don't ever want to award yeah. that. That's not what he was doing there. Yeah, in yeah, my yeah opinion, no. Right? So, like, I agree with your point. I still, what I will do in the future that I don't know if you'll agree with is if I see individual situations where there's clearly no intent or harm foul, in fact, yeah. quite the opposite, and then other people take advantage of it, I'm going to say, like, yo, the GQs of the world. Let's call out that if we're going to do it. That's yeah. stupid. Let's not then demonize this person right here. And, and I mean, you and I both know it, and we feed into it. I'll admit on my end I feed into it for some things. Mm -hmm. But we're more in, – people in positions of power, we're more likely to see the negative effects of things they do. Or not more likely to see it, but we're more likely to be loud in calling that out when yeah. it happens because it's the easy thing to do. I think – and I, I think I, you're, you're right. I just think that – how do I say this? It goes back to what we were talking about earlier about race. It's like, like I said, for long periods of time, black women, black men, you can't have dreads. You mm -hmm. can't have dreads at work. Dreads are unprofessional. You can't have braids. Braids are unprofessional. You need to have some type of professional hairstyle. For black men, if you grow your dreads out, it's not professional. Even if you, even if we know as a community, people actually pay to get that shit done to look nice, right? Not for nothing. A lot of white people, you can they can dread their hair. They can have their hair any type of similar style or uh, to an extent, obviously. In the corporate America? Uh, to an extent. To an extent. Okay. To an extent. It's yeah. like you can do certain things to an extent. Obviously, like you, we all know that you can't have like a uh, you can't have spiked blue hair to an extent. Like we all understand that. Depending where you're at. Yeah. yeah. But I'm saying this in a sense of like if you want to have a Steve Jobs cut, for example, you can have that Steve J Jobs cut because it's natural. But yeah, a woman can't have a, yes. a a black woman can't have yes. a protective style. She can't have her dreads out. That's where the yes. issue comes in. So now when you have that's a, a better example, yeah. by the way. Yeah. When you have that's a, a better example. Yeah. So when you have like an Adam Levine come in and now GQ speaks about it, now the workplace, I mean, we're we're reviewing the, the dress codes, <laughs> you know? Oh, cornrows, yeah. you know. And now you see all these different people come in and it's almost like a slap into into these people's faces where it's like, yo, like just last year, the company policy was that I can't have my protective style out. And I wasted all this money trying to make sure that I was looking professional so I keep my job. Now, Susan can come in and she can dread her hair and she doesn't get any slack for it. That's not fair to me. You know what I mean? And I think that's and I think that's a lot of the reasons why I say like uh, uh, when it comes to a lot of. White people, it's not just about the fact of, yo, like, you guys are these evil people. But sometimes, like, the, 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 the annoyance comes from the fact of there's not enough mindfulness and cognizance of the fact of there are some things that y'all can get away with that easily and y'all can change the rules and it works for you guys. It's annoying. Well, yeah, yeah, but it's like we have to go through all these loops and hassles to even get the basic respect of us feeling like we could do what we not do what we want but be ourselves and still feel okay without feeling like we're doing something wrong it's about and this is a sick way of putting it but it's also true yeah in the past especially when it was even worse mm -hmm. it's about a combination of mathematical representation yeah and oh what's the word i'm looking for cultural baseline expectations yeah so like mathematically there are more non-black people and even like white people obviously than there are black people yeah by a i forget the exact percentages right now but it's it's significant still to this point so what is a more likely in a room to be recognized whatever like fashionability with what you do with your body 
a white person over a black person strictly yeah. by that there might be five white people in a room while yeah. there's one black person. Yeah. So if more people then who are across decision-making jobs at different places happen to be white and even in an equal world mm -hmm. where just mathematically that's going to be the case yeah. strictly because there's more representation, their baseline is going to be what white people, quote unquote, are willing to accept. So then as things get more accepted from other cultures in the white diaspora, mm -hmm. it gets annoying mm -hmm. to you and people in the black community when things that you would have gotten shit for or fired even five years ago yeah. now are okay. Even if it's okay for you now, too, it's like, well, why the fuck wasn't it okay five years ago? Yeah. I get that. Yeah, that's the biggest, that's I, I the get biggest that. thing. I that's, get that. That's always been the biggest thing. That's fair. But what, one last thing before we get out of here that I could not not talk with you about because it also hasn't been talked about on this podcast yet it hasn't come up but it's still all obviously kind of simmering and there's probably a lot more things we're going to hear about about this for better or worse but the whole travis scott thing at astro world do you have any thoughts on that <laughs> so yes <laughs> Travis Scott is not at fault. Travis Scott, Travis Scott's duty is to bring people to pay for the Asteroid Festival. Mm -hmm. Travis Scott does not know shit about shit about running a music festival. So for us to now blame him, to blame Drake, makes no fucking sense. Drake was there as a guest. He was paid to be a guest. Travis Scott's team more than likely was not in charge of the festival. They hired an external vendor. There was. Live yes. Nation was involved. Yeah. Yeah. Not even just Live Nation. They, it was more other, than that, but yes. The other Pete, like, it goes down to the smaller. And, and this is, and I got so pissed about this because it's like, the issue, the issue with why, I, the issue with this whole thing for me was that you listen to Baby Keem when you go work out. I'm not listening to Lost Souls in a fucking gym. I'm not. That's it. If I'm under the influence of alcohol, I probably went and probably bought drugs before the festival, like a lot of people do before music festivals, mm -hmm. smoked weed, molly, whatever, let's mm -hmm. call it what it is. And I'm on edge, Travis Scott comes out, and I rage out and I act out. Is Travis Scott at fault for how you act out when no bystanders comes on? If I just get drunk and no bystanders comes on and all I do is bob my head like I do when I'm going to work, it's Travis Scott at fault for that. How the crowd reacts to certain things is not Travis, Scott, Travis Scott's responsibility. And you can't blame him for how these people acted under the influence of whatever they're taking. Let's call it what it is. We both went to school. We've seen how a lot of these frat boys act when they get drugs in the system and they have alcohol. They run through fucking doors. They jump on fucking tables and break them. So yeah. now, so now f not for nothing, you now had these young kids who are all in college now come in. By and, and they large. did, yeah. By and large, came in and did that. Now, and or younger too. Yeah, younger. And then, not for nothing. In addition to that, you are now putting Travis Scott. You're not holding him liable for the situation of having a smaller vendor who is in charge. Now, I'm not talking about the big entity of who made the festival. Those big entities that make the festival hire smaller entities mm -hmm. that do the small things, like whether it's drinks, food. Snacks. It's like a Basically, corporation. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. a corporation, yeah. but you hire these small people. Yeah. And you know what those super small people do? They put their ads up on Craigslist, on Indeed. They do all that stuff. They even may do a word of mouth where it's like, hey, I'm hiring these people. 
Mm-hmm. I did I did that because I worked in a I worked at I did the PGA tour like 2017, 2016. Really? Yeah. And the guy and and, and how it came oh, out. Oh, you told me that. You did tell me yeah. that. Yeah. And and like yeah. what ended up happening was that like the guy he just we met in like some back of a restaurant, like, hey, like I'm hiring 13 people for this, that, and the third. I've never cooked a fucking festival hamburger in my life. Right. They come in, they teach you on the spot, hey, this is this. Until when it's 136 degrees, you take it off, this, that, and the third. So my thing is that these super small entities hire these people. Some of these people didn't know shit about shit because they didn't know shit about shit. They just got hired. So now to hold Travis Scott liable for the hiring practices of all these smaller entities, which now go into the big entity that, that's, that basically executed the festival, is stupid. That $2 billion lawsuit, that $2 billion lawsuit is not going to happen. That's Tony Busby being Tony Busby. He can go fuck himself, yeah, to be honest with that's you. Our, that's our guy. And that's he can, go, he can yeah. go fuck himself, yeah. disrespectfully. And that's my whole thing. It's it, like the Travis Scott thing is kind of annoying. And the, the last thing I'll say is this. Bring it back because we've talked about race a lot today. I find it ironic that we have, we have this much hate for a black man saying his music is demonic. It's nihilistic. It's this, that, and the third. Not for nothing. And I'm not throwing this out there. What is heavy? What is heavy metal? Yeah, when you listen Couldn't to Metallica, more, people fucking smash their guitars on stage. And with Travis, and, it's an act. Like yeah. it's it's that's why people buy it. It's not like a thing. It's an act. Yeah, and it's like you have all these different things. You have mosh pits. You have mosh pits going on all these other places, and nobody says anything. But the moment a black man who's at the top of his career, one of the most marketable artists in the world, yep. now this happens, and now you're telling me that this was bigger than the fact of four hundred thousand people who smoked a bunch of weed and fucking at fucking Woodstock. That shit was not. This is more important that 10 people are like, yes, these 10 people are important. Yeah. Ago, but, yeah. but the thing yeah, is, yeah, yeah. it's more important than the fact that women were literally getting raped in the crowds at yeah. Woodstock, and people don't know about that. All right, and, and you know what? And, and I'm not even disagreeing. I'll discredit for the sake of our argument here just because like, something like that is so fucking long ago. It's a different world. Yeah. But I'm, I'm happy this is your opinion on it, I, and I want to add more context, too, to see what you think. But that is my opinion as well and again we got to see more stuff come out just to see who knew what but i'll admit i'm a travis fan i've talked about him before on the pod i i'm very very interested in him as an artist and a human being he's a, he's an interesting guy and this is a situation where he's actually going to get more hurt because of how he is and to elaborate on that travis scott and kanye west are similar in that they are socially Polarizing. abrasive. Oh, yeah. Yes, they natu- They don't. They come by it honestly, and they. I think they both. I know Kanye's talked about it a lot. I think Travis has talked about it for himself as well. He's not this, you know, Mister Mayor of the Room kind of guy. He's like, he's a fucking like, no, 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 like boom, boom, boom. This is how we're gonna do it, and, and like he doesn't. The yes. delivery is not the intended delivery on yeah. a lot of things. If people really want to understand who Travis Scott is. Please, and this is going to make a bigger point about this whole thing. Please watch this documentary, Look Mom, I Believe I Can Fly on Netflix. It's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, it is It is straight up, they had home cameras, just video cameras, just following him around for like yeah. a year. That's it. Like, there's no narrative. It, you just see what it is. And the reason that's also a part of a bigger argument is because we had talked some point in, today about the narratives of stories and how people change them. You saw immediately this entire hit campaign happen with all the attention going on social oh, media, yeah, definitely. especially on TikTok. And they failed to show that this is like his festival. It's his, it's his Super Bowl. He puts it on in his hometown. They failed to show that he shut this thing down an hour and 11 minutes in. It was supposed to go about 
almost two hours. Yeah. He shut it down because shit was going down because he finally got a hold of it. They also failed to show all the videos of him pointing out people in the crowd yeah. saying, I think someone's wrong. And they also fail to show the context that this shit happens. Now, people don't die like this at concerts because, yeah. again, they did. The concert promoters set up a bad environment in the sense that it was far too packed in. They're going to get lawsuits, not even just from Tony Busby, and they're going to lose money, and they should. Yeah. And, if, and if, by the way, if Travis had any responsibility to that and personally ignored some of it, he has some liability too, and he'll have to take some responsibility for that. I don't think the intention was bad because yeah. he puts on a banger of a show. And not for nothing, bring it back to the documentary, Travis Scott is known as literally, he might be the best performer, live performer on planet fucking Earth. Mm -hmm. His concerts are insane, and yes, and this is not his responsibility, no. people do roll on some serious fucking molly and go out of their minds at these things, just like they do at EDM concerts and shit, exactly. where they're picking up people out of the crowd. So what was happening, minus the fact that he didn't know people were dying, mm -hmm. credit by the way, those kids who were trying to go to the concert people and scream there are people dying and they weren't listened to, yeah. that's where those people are going to get in trouble and they should. Travis Scott didn't see from where he was anything different than what happens at his yeah. previous concerts. Go watch his documentary where he points out, whoa, 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 we got man down right there. Get him, get him, get him, get him, get him. And all right, cool, let's go. And to add, and to add, on, and to add on to that, like you got to understand... What you got to understand is that even with the people that tried to get the media people's attention, like, I'll say, I'm, and this is me just, this is my headcanon, it's just, you, you got to understand that, like... Your headcanon. Yeah. I like that. That's, it's, it's, it's an anime term of, like, what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. Okay. But it's like, this is my headcanon, it's like, yo, you're working with Apple and it's being streamed all over the world. Yes. So my thing is that Apple probably has an allotted budget for that. So now... When you also hire some of these people, I'm assuming they probably handpicked these people, probably hired based off resume. I don't know, right? This is probably some of the biggest stuff of their careers, of their filming careers. So now my thing is that when they're doing that stuff, Apple is such a strict and like very strict company to the point where it's like you don't. If something go wrong, let's say for example, saying this hypothetically speaking, if something goes wrong and one of the cameras shut out, and he's in charge of camera EF whatever, whether or not he was trying to help somebody, he's losing his job. Yeah. And what you have to understand is that looking back on it now, just even from a selfish perspective, some of these people are not valuing their jobs over those people that are dying or going to the hospital or passing out. I'm just going to keep it 100. Like, Wait, they're not what? Some of those people who are working those jobs, you know, some people have those biggest career, like those biggest points of their career. In the moment. Yeah. You're saying, yeah. They're not risking their job and their livelihood for the rest of their life just because they see something they think media. is normal yeah. by the way yeah they're used they, to that something they don't even know what's going yes. on you know what i mean and so it's like when for them it's like if you see somebody just climbing up and they know that you with a bunch of young kids they're not gonna listen immediately they're like yo y'all need to bounce like i'm not dealing with that you know what i mean because apple is a very 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 rigid company mm -hmm. I'm, I'm assuming that even if some shit was going down and they seen some people die i'm assuming that even if they fucked up the camera that dude's still getting fired and that's the end of his livelihood and you gotta and you gotta understand it's like when people are when people are and it goes back to what we're saying this story has been interesting because it's like you're not putting in context for some of these people some of these people right. will probably never get this opportunity again if they f up and it's like I'm not saying these people are not important, but what I am saying is that a lot of these people are making it seem like they're the most selfish people in the world. But it's like when you're given that opportunity to a lot of these people would be selfish as well. And it's like yes. you're blaming these people for doing what I think a lot of us would probably do. And that's why I just think that this whole thing is not fair to Travis. It's not fair to Drake. And I'm not saying this because I'm some celebrity apologist. It's just, yo, like, you're not. Yeah, be, you're not. be account like 
be honest and be accountable because what happens is that in a lot of cases y'all do this this shit happened and now you trying to let's say for example timmy's mom dropped him off at astroworld this kid picks up molly with his friends and he smokes when he drinks and he's under the age of 21 travis and now he scott comes back yeah that. he travis scott didn't do that no. and now timmy's mom is upset of that and she's like oh well if he never would have went to that astroworld festival mm. oh he probably would have done that no he sits here and he drinks in his room every night. Like, how are you going to sit here and blame Travis Scott for the stuff that your son already had a habit of doing? Like, this stuff is a learned. Ha- this stuff is a learned habit. When you're out and you partying, all that stuff that they're doing is a habit. So you can't blame somebody who also probably can't see past 10, 15 feet from where they're at when he has fire, when he has hella lights everywhere. To now say some shit that's going on in H36, 300 feet back. I'm liable for that. He can't be liable. See, that's all I got to say on that. Completely agree. Completely agree. He, the, the point you're making is essentially that society is constantly, especially in social media, therefore where the court of public opinion is, they're throwing stones from glass houses and acting like that person, I'm offended that person would ever have done that. I would never. Yeah, and basically. no, you probably fucking would have. There are a lot of people like you and me who do think I think the correct way and say like, well, no, realistically, not that they're not going to make an example out of them and lose some money and someone's going to get sued because someone has to be liable because people died. I understand that's how it works to an extent. But like we would at least be like from a human standpoint, be like, okay, we understand how that could have happened and how we might have done it in that position. Unfortunately, that's not what gets attention when people are tweeting. What gets attention is when people are like, fuck them, fry them, put them all through the court system, take them for all they're worth, fuck Mm -hmm. Travis Scott. Let's make video examples that we selectively edit of different artists in the past who have done this and not play the videos of Travis doing the same fucking thing in the past and stopping it mm-hmm. let's take away all the context and i'm not even saying like again it's very clear the setup of the actual venue was poor in this one yeah. someone's gonna go down for that and they should whoever was the company that set up a system where i don't know if you saw it but like people i know concerts are packed in you and i have been to them but like this was like people were literally like their feet were off the ground because yeah. they were so stuffed yeah and and they also came out and said well travis scott and his team were warned about this at a time they warn every person before every yeah, concert ever time. because yeah. it's like reading a Miranda right for these different cities yeah. and places that host it just so they can say, we're not liable. Yeah. So that's not relevant. Exactly. And, and like, you know, we could go on about this all day, but it sounds like we're we're in complete agreement. I, I don't know what's going to happen with him. And I think, unfortunately, the world is now for a long time going to lose its best live performer, at least at least one of them. But which is sad to me, but also it, it's sad that people died. And, and hopefully, like some of those things that are controllable at all these concerts, yeah. they actually take a lesson from this. And instead of just like frying Travis Scott for it, mm-hmm. be like, hey, this has been a wider problem across music. Now let's fix it. All I'll say is if a lot of these artists start doing concerts exclusively through Live Nation and Zoom, don't be surprised. And that's all I got to say on that. Fair enough. Yep. Moose, that's a good place to end it, man. Yeah. We just did, I'll probably pick it up like 10, 15 minutes into when we, when we were talking. I'll figure it out later, but we definitely did three hours. Okay. So, listen, I was I was basically holed up with COVID there for two weeks, and my schedule is now good, but it was like I had to cancel like two people and then move them around, and they couldn't do it. So, thank you for coming in on short notice to get this out. No doubt. This week, I appreciate you, and, and it was actually, coincidentally, great timing too with everything going on, but... Thoroughly enjoyed doing it again, brother. Yes. We'll do it in the future. Always. Thank you. No problem. Always. All right, dude. All right, bro. I'll see you soon. All right. Everyone else, you know what it is. Give it a thought. Get back to me.